Legend in My Spare Time contains themes and subjects that may not be suitable for everyone listening. If you're easily offended, we suggest you get your podcast on elsewhere. Get the fuck off of our podcast! Legend in My Spare Time! Motherfucker! This week's edition of the Legend in My Spare Time podcast is brought to you by Sin City Comics. Located in the heart of Newport in South Wales, it's your one-stop shop for comics, collectibles, toys, and all manner of glorious nerd stuff. This week's edition of Legend in My Spare Time podcast is also brought to you by GeekFestEvents.co.uk. They are the hosts of GeekFest, South Wales' most exciting Comic-Con. Stay tuned for news regarding the rest of 2017 and an even more exciting 2018. Hi, I'm Carothea Bold. You know me as Tracer from Overwatch, and you're listening to the Legends in My Spare Time podcast. I'm Chloe Hollings, you know me as Widowmaker from Overwatch, and you're listening to the Legends in My Spare Time Podcast. Please consider following us at Legend Podcast on Twitter, and subscribing to Legend in My Spare Time, available from all fine podcast sites and apps. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to a special edition, an exclusive edition of your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, Legend in My Spare Time. It's me, it's your boy, it's Matt motherfucking Lee's in the, his house. And what we have for you this week, once again, we are back, back, back again at Geek Fest 2017 for some more of our exciting, incredible panels that we did in conjunction with our partners over at Let's Chat Geek. Yes, the hashtag boring podcast war is still in full effect, but for Geeked Fest, we put our anger aside, we put our feud aside, and we just got together to host a fantastic event. Once again, allow me to take a moment to say thank you to Shane and to Laura and everybody at geekfestevents.co.uk for letting myself and the legend in my spare time crew be involved with the panels and the Q&As and the event as a whole. I've been there since day one. It gets better every year. I'm proud to be a part of it. Congratulations to you guys, and thanks again for letting me be involved. All right, enough of the brown-nosing, as it were. Let's get on with the panels. This week, we're talking Dragon Ball Z, baby. That's right. Dragon Ball Z, if you will. We've got Sean Schemmel, who did two days, that's right, two days of panels and Q&As with our audience and our Let's Chat Geek Boys, Christopher Alfonso, producer Gav. Let's take a listen to what happened when Sean Schemmel got in front of a crowd of geeks down at Geek Fest 2017, live from Newport in South Wales. Make sure you're checking out geekfestevents.co.uk to make sure you are up to date on all upcoming events. As I said, it just keeps getting bigger and better, but let's travel back. Let's go back to Geek Fest 2017, live from the, I just named it, the Matt Lee's stage, upstairs in the Newport Center. It's Sean Schemmel, Dragon Ball Z, on Legend in My Spare Time, baby! Dragon, dragon, run, dragon, come, get 
testicles. Okay, there we go. That's usually what I say when I go into a record session. I'll just say testing testicles. And then they used it in some movie. They, you know, one of those movies, the comedy movies they did in America, where it's like they called there was like an ancient Greek movie comedy, and they had some character in it named Testicles. And I'm like, I thought of that. So here's the deal. Um, I'm jet lagged and I feel completely drunk, which means this panel is going to be interesting. Um, also, I'm in Wales. I know the difference. I still haven't figured out how the UK works and the EU works and the Brexit and all that other stuff. And and I particularly don't understand how how English law works because I watch a lot of uh, I watch a lot of British cop shows. And for the longest time, I thought DCI stood for Detective Copper Inspector. <laughs> I'm Detective Copper Inspector Jones. Like I didn't, I didn't understand like what it meant. Um, and I, I know you guys want to talk about Dragon Ball. I really don't. No, I'm kidding. I, we can't. We. we uh, I, is there music? What, what? We can talk about. There's. Well, yeah. Let me go a little bit over my credits. I don't like to do that because it always sounds like I'm bragging. But uh, a lot of people don't know. In fact, to this day, I meet people who go, "Well, you do King Kai too?" I'm like, "Yes." Um, I've been doing that voice for. 18 years um and also i'm 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 kind of an existential uh uh self-examiner and appreciator of the the beauty of uh situations like this meaning it's not lost on me the profundity of this moment here we all are in a room some guy in japan in the 80s drew a cartoon comic called dragon ball and now we all have a connection it's pretty magical and special uh, and I'm, that is not lost on me. Uh, and sometimes it, I live with it so much it's overwhelming, and so I will get recognized on the street, uh, which is surreal, and I don't even understand why. So, because uh, to me it's just my life and my job, um, and it's uh, brought me all the way to Wales twice because um, I went to I, I was in Bristol a couple of years ago. So, yeah, but Bristol's great, Newport's great. I like Wales in general. Once you start moving westward, it just it's uh, so beautiful. And I'm a bit of an Anglophile. I, I have a lot of things that are English that I like, not just detective copper inspectors. But let me go over some of my credits. Just so you know, my name is Sean Schemmel. I'm best known as the voice of Goku and King Kai and Nail from Dragon Ball uh, and Dragon Ball Z. And I've also worked on Yu-Gi-Oh! and Yu-Gi-Oh! GX and Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds, Pokemon. Uh, I worked on Ninja Turtles, Sophia the First, Scooby-Doo. I was Batman in The Dark Knight Rises for iPad. Uh, I was strong in Fallout 4. I've done about 100 different character voices over the last 18 years for different shows some of which you guys don't care about and some of which you do. Also, I am a pretty liberal guy with my tongue, so I might curse. So if there's kids in here, I apologize. I don't mean to. But some of it, yeah, there's one right in front of me. And I was thinking, <laughs> I, I've edited about five curse words. And I'm like, that's not going to last long at this rate. I, my filter's really, really weak right now because I'm tired. So I apologize if I slip up. Okay, yeah. You guys invented cursing anyway, so pretty. Uh. Oh, okay, okay, good. All right. So that's a, a, and I'm also an ADR director and a, a, a scripted actor. And uh, I was a former professional French hornist, uh, classical musician. I also play electric guitar and bass. And I, I'm just telling you my interests only because sometimes I find that if I go to a, a panel, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be about Dragon Ball. And, and some kids and young people want to know, like, there's a lot of ways I got to where I am that are transferable to those of you who have hopes and dreams. And so sometimes I get existentially philosophical about thinking outside the box and telling society the big F you so you can do what you want, um, uh, which I'm a big believer in. So uh, that's kind of my short intro. And then uh, uh, we're going to do, uh, I, 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 yeah, I may want you to, you know, check, uh, 
we, I might need the mic for people in the Absolutely. What was Point your name again? Fingers. I'm sorry. Chris. Chris, that's right, Chris. That's so funny because you look almost exactly like my friend Michael Center Nicholas's friend Chris, who's a detective in New York. Um, Michael Center Nicholas is the voice of Dean Venture, and uh, he does a lot of, he's a really good voice actor and a, uh, director himself. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's open up the floor. I guess what I'm saying by all that is that I will have a giant ADD conversation with you, and hopefully it will be entertaining and, and hopefully informative. And we can talk just about Dragon Ball. I'm just throwing, you know, cards out there. And my answers to my questions will probably be much longer than you want. Go ahead. Chris, anybody have some any hands coming up. That's questions. Uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Uh, you are over here. You are first. Oh, yeah. She's on the front row. Let's, let's do it. I got me a nice, cool fan. You got, oh, that, by the way, first of all, I want to find a way to start a business to bring air conditioners to all of Wales. Yes. Because I'm in a very nice hotel. I want to bring Australian toilets to America and American air conditioning to Wales. Because I go to my hotel, which is a very nice hotel, and I go, hey, why do I turn the air conditioner? Like, oh, it's not, not air conditioner, mate. That's not even the right accent. It's not air conditioner. What, what, there's a heater. I'm like, well, it's hot, so I don't need a heater. <laughs> no, you just have, it's exactly. And so I was like, I opened the window. Well, I opened the window, the door to my balcony, and then I turned the fan on, blowing. I mean, it was cool enough. And then I wake up to read the news, and some man has been bitten by a, a false widow, which we call brown recluses. And he almost died or got his flesh eaten. And I'm like, wow, my door was open all night and a brown recluse could have eaten my leg. Anyway, let's let Bulma ask a question. <laughs> or a false widow. What do, you, do you guys have black widows? Or is a false, false widow is not a black widow. widow? No, but I thought, but black widow, what's that? Does it have the bow tie on it? A false widow? No, you know the black widows have the bow tie on and then the brown recluses are very tiny and they can both kill you. But I don't think the black widow can. I don't know. But... This is going to be a panel about spiders. What? Uh, what's your favorite spider? What's your favorite spider? Yeah, good one. This is going to be a group comedy routine is what this is going to be. Um, but yeah, I love it here. It's, it's beautiful, and I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciative of... of I, it's a very surreal feeling to do work on something like this uh, for so many years and then go and have a room full of people show up to listen to you blab. So we're going to listen to her blab for a second, and then I'm going to respond. So what what would you want to ask me if First you wanted of all, to? Bristol isn't Wales; it's England. Oh, it is England. That's correct. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Wait a second. Oh, here's why I was confused. When I was in Bristol, I visited a friend of mine in Wales and took a train, and I think I mixed the two. I went to Cardiff. Sorry, that's yes. in Wales, right? Yes. Yes. That's our okay. <laughs> okay. Right. What has been your favorite voice acting job? Uh, well, the favorite voice acting job for any voice actor is the one that pays the most. Second to that. <laughs> And that would not be Dragon Ball. But, no, I'm just joking. But, uh, uh, boy, that's, I, enjoy, I really, well, okay. My favorite voice acting job is Goku. Uh, Go, here's the thing with Goku and me. Goku is my first audition and the first big role I ever got. And it is a separate thing from everything else I do. It's like your first kiss or your first love or anything that's really special growing up. And Winston has to go to the bathroom. So, Oh, no, he's leaving. Okay, what's he doing? Where are you going? Okay, okay, okay. All right, he's funny. Uh, anyway, he likes to hug people. Um, I found that out the hard way. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, anyway, did I'm, <laughs> I'm really jet lagged. I warn you kids. Um, so uh, that's a very special thing. But outside, Goku's special because of this moment right here. It's not the funnest character to play. He doesn't really grow much. He's an idiot. He's two-dimensional, and he screams a lot. And he's kind of a dickheaded father, too. But... King Kai, King Kai is way more fun to play than Goku. But as far as this reaction and this part of my job, uh, this is what makes Goku a very, very, very special thing for me. And while I, I'd never let it go, 
Um, as far as acting is concerned, um, I've had some really good roles. Play, playing Batman in The Dark Knight Rises for iPad, which was a minor Batman role. I only bring it up because you know, Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman, but I had to voice match Christian Bale for the iPad iPhone game, and they, Warner Brothers is talking to me and asking me to voice match, and I'm trying to do it, and I did it, and it was very exciting because I got to play Batman, and I'm a huge Batman fan, and I got to meet Adam West before he passed, which was really thrilling because um, I'm a huge fan of his also. But uh, the, the favorite roles, I enjoyed playing uh, 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 Dr. Crowler and Yu-Gi-Oh! GX and uh, 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 Rio and Shaman King. I don't know if you guys ever shot Shaman King here. Did you see Shaman King? At the Rio and you would talk like this. He had the whole like, Spanish thing going on. Um, and uh, uh, I'm trying to think of other roles. Oh, um, oh, I got to play a part. It was a real – it's more about uh, moments than it is – the character sometimes because I got to be in an episode of Scooby-Doo and Frank Welker was like five feet from me recording and I was crying while I was trying to record my lines like there's five or six of us in the room the whole cast of Scooby-Doo and I'm playing it you know you know the Scooby-Doo there's 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 Scooby-Doo crew and then there's the assholes that live in the mansion I played one of the main assholes who lives in the mansion um, who ended up being a nice guy the, his brother was the asshole who's played by my buddy Jason Spizak who is a really great voice actor in his own right um, and a friend of mine uh and I cried on the, that was the first time I met him. I cried on the couch. I go, did, did Frank Welker just walk in? Like, is this not a single? I thought I was solo recording, but it was a group recording. I didn't know. They didn't tell me. I started crying my eyes out trying to work. So that was a really bucket list moment for me. Uh, the, the, I guess the best, the funnest parts are the ones where I get to do a prelay show. I really enjoyed working on Kappa Mikey because all of us were in the booth together. I don't know if they showed Kappa Mikey here. Um, that was an anime parody that was on Nickelodeon. I only had two seasons, but it was a really fun show. So that's the long answer. It's not really a specific you know, it's kind of a journey, you know, but really it's uh, my favorite thing about voice acting. And this is why I get a little controversial when it comes to like race and gender when it comes to voice acting. My favorite thing about voice acting is that I get to play anything, whereas I will not be playing a six foot six black dude in a movie because I'm a five foot ten white guy. So that's never happening. But when I, I auditioned for this one part and I did this crazy little like monster voice and the guy goes, man, I thought you're going to be a six foot six black dude. I'm going to no, I'm a five ten white dude. But I made you think I was this. And that to me is power being able to uh, being able to shift your voice. I don't like playing women very much, not because I don't want to play women because I'm bad at it. Even though I won an award for this audiobook I did where I played a lot of women in the book and men, but I always went, I always sound like some kind of, I always sound like this and it's terrible. I'm like terrible at women voices, but they gave me an award. So I'm like, which they asked me to pay for. And I said, screw you. Um, <laughs> I think my exact words were, I think it was, it was well, it's a funny long story about how they told me they were keeping this award and that I had to buy it. I'm like, but it has my name on it. Um, and then I tried to pay a friend of mine to steal it from the offices, which is kind of an OJ move. Not without the killing. Because, um, you know, he stole that shit. That was his. But you still can't do that. Um, so, yeah. That, let's go to another question. I hope that was helpful in answering your question. Um, let me pick somebody, and, and Chris will go. I try to mix it up. Um, we're going to skip Winston only because uh, I, I'm giving him a hard time, but I'll get your question in later, Winston. Um, uh, way in the back. The guy, I don't know. Yeah, that guy with the, who just went like this with jazz hands. He just jazz hand me. Yes, that's jazz. Yay, go. Oh, sorry. I am All so, right. I'm not um, even drunk. There we okay. go. Uh, right, uh, we're working. Right, lovely. Right. <laughs> All right, you said you're a big uh, Batman fan. I yeah? am. Yeah, uh, what's your favorite Batman story? A story or actor? Uh, like, uh, you went to the comics at all, or? Well, here's the thing. I, I was a big Batman fan of this television series and the comics, and I kind of, here's a weird story about me and comics. <laughs> I used to love comics, and then I became a voice actor and stopped liking comics because I became very sensitive to how text is written. 
And a lot of uh, inkers, or guys who write the bubbles, they like to tell me how to say things by highlighting certain words and putting everything in all caps. And as an actor, I'm just like, first of all, you're yelling everything because everything's in all caps. And secondly, you're bolding words that I don't think that guy would say that way. So I'm not reading this shit. And then I just don't read it. And my girlfriend reads tons of comics. She loves, she's introducing me to stuff. I'm like, I'm not reading this. They're telling me how to say things. And I, I can't, I, I'm like becoming an old man, you know, or something. You're telling me how to say things and I can't, you know. It's like, I feel like I'm a cranky old man. So as far as the Batman television and movies, I'm a huge Michael Keaton Batman fan. I think he really got it right. Christian Bale's not bad. I had a real issue with the Batman movies because one of my favorite things about Batman, I remember talking to Adam West about this, is um, I don't like the fact that, I never liked the fact that it was a, uh, an R&D arm of his empire. I like the fact that he built all the shit himself. Like he was down there with a welding thing and he designed and built in the original comic his Batmobile, the Batcave, all the computers versus, oh, I've got an R&D arm that did all this shit. I'm like, oh, that's not as cool to me. I, it doesn't look, it didn't have the bats, it just didn't work for me. So I, I, I enjoyed the Christian Bale movies and he's, he's fantastic, but that element of it was particularly vexing to me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the Michael Keaton uh, uh, Batman, uh, in particular the second one, because then he, they finally started getting some shit right. But oh man, I'm not not censoring myself well. Okay, next question. Uh, yes, uh, let's go over here to the left. Let's get this kid who used, asked me 85 questions already, who is yelling questions, and he will be removed after he asks this question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. All right, what is your kid who has no... He doesn't even know what that shirt's about. He's like, ah, it's a cool shirt. Have Car- you ever been to North Carolina? No. You know, of course, I, you know, I'm going to buy a Wales shirt, and I can say, well, I've been to Wales, even though I think Bristol's in Wales. It's just no, a it's, shirt. I know, I'm teasing you. I don't so know what's what to wear, so I just put on a shirt. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, I have a question. All right. I really like Dragon Ball Z, clearly, and I like how the voice actors, like you and the Vegeta voice actor... Chris. Chris, yeah. Um, all like strain your voice doing it, shouting and all that. And I really want to become a voice actor for Dragon Ball Z. So I was, I was gonna ask, what tips would you give someone who's looking for a voice acting? Well, like are that? You, there's like several notes in there. You're talking about like screaming. I don't know how that relates to tips. Are you asking me tips about screaming or voice acting or how to get like into it? Voice acting. Voice acting. Well, as far as the screaming goes, I'm just gonna address that, and then I'll get to voice acting. Um, for me, uh, a big part of the screaming is, uh, if, if you, for those of you who are you know, trying to do screams at home, I don't want you to damage your voice. S- screaming and, and powering up is all about m- copious amounts of air and breath support. It is huge amounts of air. And that comes from 25, 30 years of, of French horn playing I've done and training. And I was also a vocal minor and a singer. And so you learn how to breathe properly. And so that's why, like, how do you do this all these years? I go, yeah, I hurt my voice. Yeah, it hurts. Y- y- but I don't damage it because I'm using proper breathing techniques and proper air techniques to, you know, I'll wear it out and then I'll sleep and in a couple days it'll come back. Whereas if I were using the wrong techniques, I would have lost my voice 10 years ago. It's just a quick note on that. Um, and then as far as voice acting concerned, uh, the great thing is you're in a gr- country that uh, has a lot of really great acting in it. And I watch a lot of British television shows for that exact reason because um, I think there's a lot of really great acting that comes out of the UK. Um, and so you could easily go to London or any conservatory. Uh, you're very close to it. Uh, to study acting. As far as voice acting in, in, in uh, the UK, I don't know anything about that industry here, but I'm sure there's plenty of it. Um, I would focus on acting first, get involved in theater, and then if you want to say, but I, I don't want to go through all theater and then, then be a voice actor later, because I want to be a voice actor now. Okay, fine. Join your local theater. Tell your mom and dad to get you a basic microphone. Get some headphones on. Um, uh, turn down the volume on your television set. Make up voices. D- 
download a bunch of uh, demos of different professional voice actors' voices and try to do imitations, not to take over a role, because if you make a voice acting real when you're just doing copies of my voice or this voice, unless you bill yourself as an impersonator, you're just going to look like an amateur. But if you're a true impersonator, and I know I know uh, Michael J. Fox's vocal stand-in for Back to the Future. I know Liam Neeson's vocal stand-in. I know uh, uh, Alec Baldwin's vocal stand-in. If you become really great at impersonating, you can become a professional vocal stand-in. I've stood in for David Cross on Sophia the First and Oliver Platt because I had to sing songs because they didn't want to sing them, so they hired me to do an impression of them singing them. So there's, there's that and, and working your voice that way. But doing imitations is a great way to stretch your voice and exercise and use your ear to match things, which is a skill set that you can use to create new voices. And furthermore, a bad impression of a voice that is unrecognizable is now a new voice. For example, my voice of Amit Amaru on Shaman King is my impression of Dan Green as Yu-Gi-Oh! But it doesn't sound like him because I don't do a good impression of Dan Green, but it's a new voice. So a bad impression of, so Vander Bill Cosby sounds too much like him, see? Um, <laughs> And so that's now an impression, not a bad voice. But if I twist it enough, it now becomes something else. But that's so recognizable, it probably never would be. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, paying attention to voices, listening to voices, stretching your voice, doing impersonations all the time, uh, doing character voices. Uh, one of the things I used to like to do was I'd be looking through these rock magazines because I was really into rock and roll, and I'd buy Hit Parade. And then, you know, there'd be different uh, rockers doing faces and voices, and I'd, I'd make my brother laugh. I'd go, that guy sounds like he talks like this, because I had no idea how they talk, and that guy sounds like he talks like this, and I'd make up a voice. And I got uncannily good at it to the point where I could look at someone, guess how they kind of talk, and mostly get it right. And even to the point where my friends would talk about their parents and I'd never meet them. And then I would just do impressions of my friends to their parents, which they would tell me all their personal secrets. Or I would do my impression of what I think their parents write and I'd be right about 60% of the time. So there's, there's a whole world out there of sonic joy if you, uh, if you have an affinity for it, if that makes sense. And that's the long answer. But the primary thing behind all of this is uh, getting good at acting. And you're in the best country to do that as far as I'm concerned, to get good at acting because the, 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 the best thespians come out of uh, the UK, in my opinion. So, And we have good actors in America, but every time I watch a UK show, I'm like, why aren't we not doing it like this? And, and we have some shows that I think are equal. But I don't think we have a show that, that any show that's better than anything uh, that the UK produces, in my opinion. And there's a bunch of really good stuff that I watch. Um, uh, so I hope that answers your question uh, to some degree. And I know it's a long answer. And it, uh, Yeah, the Goku hat. There you go. Orange hat guy. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm just randomly picking people. Uh, sorry, I'm, I am so happy to be here, by the way. I just, uh, I'm jet lagged and uh, I have a surreal hotel, um, which I enjoy the surreal. So uh, that's a good thing. Yes, sir. What's your thoughts on the Funimation deal with Sony and how will it affect the dub going forward? Yeah, everybody's asking me about that. I actually happen to have some insider information about that that I can't discuss. Um, I can say that from what I've heard from my producers is that it's a, a very good thing. Um, uh, I think Funimation is growing up as a company and in the last couple of years and in the last few months, I know that Funimation has hired some really excellent executives. Uh, uh, formerly from Walt Disney and, and Universal, uh, who I've had dinner with and met, and 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 Gen Fukunaga is really taking trying to take Funimation to a new level, um, and uh, I'm really impressed with what uh, what what's going on. I, I was a little nervous when I heard about it because uh, uh, a week a week before I just signed my new contract, and I'm like, well, maybe I should have waited. Um, no, I'm I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. But uh, I'm very happy with. Uh, with upper management of Funimation and what they uh, what they have achieved, and, and we've just did some really good stuff with it. Uh, 
kids children's hospital and some other things and everything is is shifting in my opinion to where i think funimation is going to be able to keep bringing really really great anime and i think uh my 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 guess is and i this is not insider information my guess is is that you know sony being a, a huge conglomerate that they are uh, is going to really be able to help Funimation get Dragon Ball, for example. Hopefully, getting I, and I wrote Toya yesterday because I want because I realized I was coming to Wales and and, and I forgot to write them because I want to be able to tell you guys when Dragon Ball Super would be appearing on uh, television here in the UK because it already is in uh, the United States. And I wrote them yesterday and hopefully they'll get back to me and, and give me an answer. They might not have an answer, but you know I would like to see Dragon Ball Super uh, do that. So I think the the at least my guess is is that the move. Uh, uh, is going to be a very good thing for Funimation in, in, in terms of in terms of distribution and getting more uh, getting Funimation titles to more people and and helping the company uh, keep going because I'll be honest with you uh, and, th and th this is not a comment on Funimation's uh, uh, business at all this is what I know about the anime industry in general uh, and a lot of it has to do with bit torrenting and a lot of it has to do with actors a lot of it has to do with companies undercutting each other but for some reason and a lot of it has to do with the uh, mentality of dubs the mentality of dubs was like say Japan or Germany or any other country would want to produce a localization of the English uh, uh, dub for something, they would just treat it like it's a second language track and go, ah, just get it done, it sucks. But now it's shifted because we can do more dubs, the computer technology is there, you have casts that are good actors, we have, you know, our cast has been going on 18 years, dubs are getting a lot more respect and a lot more attention and I think there's a paradigm shift going on in the industry to where I'm hoping that uh, in particular the Japanese companies will help support their localization cast worldwide, not just America and the UK but, you know, even German casts and Mexican casts. Um, there, there is, a, there is a, and I'm going to say this and I, I feel very strongly about this, there is this kind of uh, and they did this with a Pokemon cast, which made me very angry. Um, where it's just like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's our intellectual property. We just replaced the cast. It doesn't matter. The cast matters. It really, really does. Um, oh, we'll just voice match. Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, you think you're special. And they try to make you feel small. And they, they will say horrible things to you. Funimation's never done this to me. Well, well, actually, they did in the early years when they had other dipshits working for them. But those guys are long gone. And, and well, they did. And, and, and you know, th they were just a young company and, and made some mistakes. But now they've really... Uh, Put their big boy pants on, and they're and they're uh, they're doing things professionally and doing them right, and they have done for the last uh, several years now, and so I've been very happy with my relationship with them. Um, but yeah, I I, I guess I'm addressing a thing, and, and where you can help as as people who consume the art is um, one of the problems we've had, uh, and, and I've talked again Fukunaga about this, and a lot of that has to do with our government is um, we don't clamp down on bit torrenting and stealing and pirating like China does and other countries do. Again, was explaining it to me. He believes that it has something to do with, uh, uh, he's not sure, but it has something to do with wanting that free space open because Google and those larger companies saying, oh, no, but you can do this and then, you, you know, you can have more bandwidth and that makes them more money or, you know, because things are being bit torrented. And the problem is, is that we have a lot of people stealing anime and that makes it, I've seen animation studios and shut down in Japan because people are stealing anime and not just paying for the dub or paying for the, the subtitled version. And it's not that expensive to get a you know $20 DVD or whatever and watch 10 episodes or four or however many are in a DVD. I don't know what they put in there anymore. But um, I guess what I'm saying is, is that way you can support it is make your voices heard when they shift a cast. Like there was this berserk debacle that went down with the new cast and I actually do know what happened there and, and there, there are powers involved that are lying and I know they're lying. Um, 
uh, and they're they're trying to make it look good and and, and it's it's bullshit and the, and and I've heard producers come in and say oh you don't matter we're just gonna replace you and they said that to Veronica Taylor and and she's heartbroken that she's no longer Ash on Pokemon and it's and and the only way you can do it and now that we have Twitter and we have YouTube and you guys follow us when you send letters and there's a mass amount and and the best thing to do is when you stop watching a show and they see their money go down. Here's an interesting story. So I heard this story about the Mexican cast of, of Dragon Ball or something. And uh, one of the guys was telling me, I can't say who it was, but was telling me that some the people in charge of localization replaced the cast and all the numbers went down. And one of the guys at Toy or somewhere heard about it and said, no, no, what are you talking about? Went back down, restored the cast, and all the numbers back went back up. The bottom line with these companies um, is money. And so if, if you're upset that they've replaced your cast or if you're upset that they've done something, let them know and don't pay for it. I'm not saying steal it, but I'm just saying don't buy it and don't buy the merchandise. And then once they see that dip and they know it's because they'll bring the cast back and give us the, the, the pay we deserve because we get screwed on money all the time. And I'm not talking about Funimation. I'm talking about in, in the dubbing industry in general. Some of that has to do with SAG because of outdated rules regarding uh, hourly rate. I mean, the hourly rate for dubs, which is extremely low and no residuals. So anyway, this is all like my personal world that I'm trying to explain to you. But as people who consume it, you can be helpful by being vocal about what you would like to see or what, you know, if they replace the cast, bitch about it, don't watch it. They go, oh, we replaced the cast and it didn't work. I guess that was a dumb idea. We we need to send the message loud and strong that localization casts for English language, say it's Japanese being localized to UK, matter. And it's a big deal for all of us because this is our lives. This is what we care about. Like this is this is what I live, breathe, and eat every day. Like I, there's not a day that goes by in my house that the word Goku is not mentioned in my house. Sometimes to the point where I want to pull my hair out. Um, you know, because it's, it's like anything. Another interesting story I could tell you is when I was a horn player, I was, I was buying this really great French horn made by this really great maker who's now deceased and that company's out of business, which is sad because the whole thing kind of fell apart. But at the time, they were one of the premier horn makers. And I was so geeking out. I was such a fanboy. I went to the factory, which is a, four guys in a house building these horns. And uh, I went to the factory and I said, what's it like making the greatest horns on earth? And the guy's like, well... It's a job, you know, like any other. Like to them, it's just their job. It's what they do. I mean, they love it. They're passionate about it. That's the way it is for me. This is my my world and my life. So, when you guys are appreciative, it's, it means a lot to me, um, and it's it's a very special feeling. But for me, it's like my whole world, and it has been almost half my life. Well, I'm 48, so not quite half my life, but for 18 years of my life. So, um, the fact that we're all sitting in a room here together is uh, pretty pretty damn special to me. And I know that was a weird tangent, but that's just the kind of way that my mind works. Um, so, my thoughts on the Sony thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm guessing that, you know, Gen knows what he's doing, and it was a smart move, and it seems like a smart move to me, and uh, I'm hoping, I'm looking for exciting things to come out of Funimation, uh, especially as we build up to the 2020 Olympics in Japan, where Goku is the official mascot. So I'm like, what the hell? Now, granted, it's not me. It's going to be Masako Nozawa, who I have tremendous reverence for, and they're not going to give a shit about me. They're going to, you know, they're going to be focused on her. But still... Um, I play him in America um, and the UK and Australia, New Zealand and India and Canada mostly, kind of. Um, that's another long story. Anyway, let's get another question. I hope that was helpful um, and I hope I didn't get in trouble. Let's do Android. I, can't, I get the numbers wrong, but you look just like her. 18, 18. Look just like her. That's a good cosplay. Um, I was thought she, she also got the look down. She was looking at me like... <laughs> yeah, you got the, the, Hi, the nice glare down. Hi. Nice to meet you. My name's Emily. Emily. Um, can I just first say that I absolutely love you, not only in Dragon Ball, but also as Gaston in Berserk, oh. and also in Blue Gender. That oh, was one Rick. of my favorite anime series. From really? You're right hardcore. From the beginning. Yeah, I loved it. 
Um, I just wanted to ask you um, how you first got into voice acting. What, you know, is this something you always wanted to do or did you kind of fall into it? This is a teaching moment is what I like to call this. And this is what they, and I love that you asked this question because one of the things I, I've learned about meeting, you guys are all in cosplay and you, and you're, you, you love the show and you, you, you spend all this money on the, the merchandise and you have so many feelings about it. And we're talking about emotions here. And I've, I've had a lot of people say, I want to be a voice actor. I want to be a voice actor. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to your, this is going to be one of those long answers, but you're going to like the answer. Um, I want to be a voice actor. I want to be a voice actor. And a lot of my experience has been, do you really want to be a voice actor or do you want to feel as awesome as this show makes you feel? Meaning, do you want to be part of that feeling? And my, I've discovered that it's really the latter, that only a very small percentage of people truly want to be voice actors, but they want that exciting feeling of how the show makes them feel. So my job, partly in, 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 to not pontificate too much, is to tell you how I got into it, and from that, look at your own life and examine your own life and, and figure out what your thing is that lights your brain up like the best healthy drug on earth. <laughs> Um, you know, like like falling in love or like anything that's positive. I mean, you know, you know what I mean. Like, uh, and so to tell my story is is a metaphor for that. That hopefully you could apply, especially young people out there. But it's never too late if you're older to your lives. Because I see so many people. I watched my grandpa go to a factory for 35 years, and I didn't think he liked it very much. He never complained about it. But you know, and I looked at, it, I'm like, man, life is not worth living. And I meant this very seriously. Like I would literally did not want to live if I couldn't do what I love, no matter what. And it's a very daunting and scary thing to tell society and your parents and um, anybody else, especially if you they don't think you're talented. Which they never had. My problem was everyone said that li I, I felt like my parents were lying to me and telling me that I was more talented than I was, um, which was irritating to me because I'm like, you're lying to me. But they were just trying to be supportive parents, and I, I could tell what my truth was, and they, they were just being proud parents. Um, but still, it wasn't a good thing for me. Uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, it's a daunting thing to have the guts to really think about the long game, about what you want, and, and know that that if you settle for the easy thing, you're looking at a life not well spent. And since I believe you only get one of them, uh, it's a pretty important decision to make. And so I remember being younger and thinking, well, okay, what do I want to do with my life? If I, if I was a vampire and didn't want to do the blood sucking part, but I just live forever, <laughs> how many careers would I have? What would I do? What difference does it make if I switch at 30, 40, 50, or 60? So when I was a young musician, I wanted to be the greatest French horn player in the world. And my hero was Dennis Brain, who was an English horn player who died in 1957, still, in my opinion, the greatest French horn player that ever lived. And um, some horn players don't agree, but screw them, because um, they're wrong. And, um, and when you hear him play, you'll know the magic of Dennis Brain. But uh, he's an amazing hornist. Uh, and I, I, I had a very narrow focus. I was like, I want to be just this thing and I want to be so great at it. And all I did was practice and all I did was focus on it. And I didn't care about anything else. And people, like, people would say to me in high school, well, you want to be a professional musician, but like this lame bullshit people tell you, what if, what if you don't make it? We're going to fall back. I'm not thinking about it. Cause if you think about a fallback plan, you've already set yourself up to not try hard enough. Like you might want to have a fallback plan that you make up once you have to fall back, which probably is the worst time to do it. But it, the problem is you undermine yourself by going, well, you know, I'm going to try this hard thing for a little bit, but if I don't make it, I'm just going to do this comfortable thing that 
doesn't really make me happy, but I'll be nice and safe. And then when I'm 80 years old, I can think, yeah, I really wish I'd done that. Well, now I'm dead. Well, screw that. Let just like, come on. You're going to really, I mean, I'm very hardcore about this. And it's a scary thing because the scary part is this. Even to this day, like I, I've been a successful voice actor, and to this day, I'm not even confident that I'm good at it, but I know that they keep hiring me, and I keep doing stuff, so I'm just going to keep doing this while they keep hiring me and focus on the quality of it and not worry about the rest of it. Now, just focusing on the craft, right? So what I just did was, as a young horn player, and I, and, I, and I was unhappy, not necessarily being a hornist, but I... I woke up one day and I thought, you know, I'm going to broaden my horizons and just what do I really like about uh, how do I really want to earn my money? And the way I look at money is money is energy. It's not something like my dad, I was a minister. And so I always had this like, you know, money's the root of all the evil thinking, although he didn't really preach that at me, but I still kind of got that feeling from being growing up in the church. And that's a load of crap. In my opinion, it's what people do with money that, uh, that makes it evil. It's just an energy exchange. So when I started thinking about it that way, I started going, okay, I just want to get broad my horizon. I just want to get paid to be creative. That's it. I know I'm a creative person. I know I am because people tell me and I'm cynical and I don't think I am, but if everyone else is telling me, okay, not everybody's full of shit. Um, a lot of people are, but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but not everybody is. So, so I started thinking about it. And once I did that, I opened my horizons and then I started thinking about things. And when the Dragon Ball audition, now I'm leading up to the Dragon Ball audition, how that happened. And I'm hoping you're gleaning something from this, for the, especially you young people who are thinking about the rest of your lives. Because it's a scary thing. Because if I go tell you all, as a guy, say maybe some of you look up to me or think, oh, I can do it, he can do it too. Just because I can do it doesn't mean you can do it. But I can guarantee you this. If you try something that uh, you end up not being good at, you're not talented at, and you waste a bunch of money on it, you're mad at me, ah, Sean said I could be anything, and I believed in him, but I guarantee you along that way, you are going to figure out what it is you do want to do, and you're going to learn from it, and, and the people who are the most successful are usually the ones that have failed the most, even if you just change your approach just to do anything differently. So what happened was, it was, a 19, um, it was before 1999, and I, I was in a pretty bad place. Uh, you know, I, I've had lots of ups and downs in my life, a lot of downs, and um, I, I don't believe in, I'm not a religious person in terms of an, uh, I'm too scientific and existential to really believe that there's a God that does stuff, but I do believe in a, in a kind of energetic uh, matrix we're in, so to speak, not from the movie. Um, and so I just put a message, I was like, look, just give me that thing that's going to be the right thing. And I just got real quiet and meditated on it. And, uh, and, and whatever it is that I'll, you give me, whoever you are, if there's a thing out there, I will treat it like gold. That is the deal I'll make with you. And, and, and within a year, I got on Dragon Ball. Now, what happened was um, I was playing French horn in an orchestra, and I had a studio of about 30 French horn students, and I was teaching them, and I was perfectly happy doing that, at least I thought I was. There was an open casting call that Chris Sabat, who was not a friend of mine at the time, had put in the newspaper in the Dallas Observer. It said, wanted voice actors for a national cartoon. Now, a friend of mine at the time who was thoroughly impressed with all these impersonations I could do said, you got to try this. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm a French horn player. No, you got to try this. You should do this. When you don't want to do it and all your friends are telling you to do it, you probably should do it. But when you want to be on American Idol and all your friends are going, I don't think you're that good of a singer, you probably shouldn't be on American Idol. Like, I love Simon. I love Simon because he was like my music school teachers. I went to a very hardcore music school. And I love the fact that people are like, I just think I'm the greatest. And I'm just saying, nah! it sounds like shit. It's like, you are terrible. Yes, tell him he's terrible because he's terrible because he's not going to believe you unless you're really smacking with it because his head's so far up his ass. So... 
Some people need that. Sometimes Simon's just mean, and he's really mellowed out. But I, as far as how he critiques and, and what he's trying to say in his ear, I, I agreed with him a lot. I'm like, yes, that's, that is a yes. Anyway, so, and my music school teachers were really hard on me like that. And that's the only thing that made me really, really good at what I, I, I did. So they bugged me and bugged me, and I'm like, fine, I'll do it. But when I decided to do it, I took all the focus and acumen and uh, uh, experience I'd learned from auditioning for classical music orchestras, which takes an enormous amount of discipline. And I said, I'm just going to use this. I'm going to apply this to this. And so I typed up a fake resume that said I did voices. <laughs> and I made to get a tape of some voices I'd done in a puppet theater. And I dressed professionally. And I showed up with my resume. And they put me in a room and said, and this is when we were switching from the Canadian cast to the American cast. And they said, do an imitation of these voices. Just go sit in this room and play this videotape and just try to copy these voices by myself. They did this with every auditioner. And they auditioned about 400 people. I sat in there and I was like, well, shit, this is a piece of cake because this is what I used to do as a kid. From the time I was four or five years old, I was doing voices, turn the volume down. Just it was That thing that you can't stop doing that you're addicted to, that's your passion. And if it gets you really excited and your brain lights up, and it might be something that you didn't even expect, like, I think I want to be a ballerina. I... I I'm 45 and I'm 30 pounds overweight, but I th then be a baller freaking Rena. Like if that's your passion, like th that's my point is you got, and, and then you're going to have the naysayers and the dipshits and, and it's because they love you and are scared for you. That's why they say that they go, well, what if you, well, well, are you, am I living my life or are you living my life? You know what I mean? That's, that's the thing. And so they'll, they'll get mad at you. They'll, they'll goad you. They'll do other things and parents especially, and you got to love them because they're parents, but they're scared to death for some reason. That you're going to die in some, or be abducted by a sex worker ring, which is what my girlfriend's mother said once. And like, she didn't call her mom back, and her mom goes, have you been abducted by a sex worker ring? I'm like, what? Why, why, where does this come from? Anyway, so some, some human slavery is what she was, human trafficking or whatever, which is you know, a serious issue, but in this context, it was humorous. Um, so my point is, is that once I opened that up and decided uh, that fell into my lap, and then I decided to treat it like gold and really focus on it and commit to it and, and then just do the best I can and then see how audiences respond and see how people who hire voice actors respond. You see what I'm saying? So I didn't mean to like go on a big speech here, but that's a really good question and there's got to be a reason you're asking that question. Um, and so all I can say to you young people is that, oh, and the other thing is, is like you might try 20 things before you figure it out, but you're going to learn from me. Here's another story. Justin Cook, who's the head of production at Funimation, and he started out, he was playing in a rock band, and I think he was working construction, and he knew a guy who worked at Funimation. Now, Justin's a very talented guy, and um, I don't think he realized how talented he was back when we first met, but he got a job just re recording the, uh, the, the, just recording us as an engineer, and he wasn't even a proper engineer, just hit record and record us, right? So he learned, and then he grew, and then after a while, they said, hey, uh, why don't you audition for this show? And he auditioned for Yu Yu Hakusho and got the voice of Yusuke. Then they said, hey, why don't you direct this show? Then he learned how to direct. Now he's the head of production, just because he did a, something very similar. I didn't teach him that, because I didn't know him, but um, he did something very similar. Do you see what I'm saying? So the point is, is that, you, you ha my, one of my favorite quotes from Anthony Robbins, and by the way, that guy's not full of shit. I've done his tapes, and they actually work. You, to get massive results, you got to take massive action, and it, sometimes it's scary, and you might fall on your ass, and you got to do a cost-benefit analysis and risk, and it's, it's terrifying. And, and I, the, I, the reason I say all this is because I'm very scared that I have a certain amount of talk influence here, then everybody's like, I'm going to go out and do it, and then they fail, and they go, oh, Sean ruined my life. You, you know, you're going to fail. I'm failing all the time. I lose auditions all the time. I win auditions some of the time. Um, 
And, 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 and to me, it's like, even towards voice acting, like, I don't even know that I'll be a voice actor forever. My attitude to voice acting is I'll keep doing it as long as I'm passionate about it and I love it. People like it and keep hiring me, and they pay me enough to do it, <laughs> you know, because I got to eat, you know, and I got to pay bills. So um, that's basically the, the, I don't know if you remember what the question was, but I'm hoping that was helpful. And I want you to think about your life. And, and by the way, there's lots of self, I, I've done lots of self-help books. Oh, the other thing, the last bit, I'll tell you, and then we'll get to another question. My success as a person, and a lot of you may not need this, but I feel like everyone needs it, but my success as a person in, in my work has been directly proportional to the amount of therapy and personal work I've done on myself because I firmly believe that trauma from childhood and trauma from life and trauma from your world create uh, viral uh, bugs like... Um, computer viruses in the back of your unconscious mind that affect your uh, talent and intelligence potential. And the more you resolve those issues, the more you unlock your personal talent and intellectual potential. And in fact, I distinctly remember my vocabulary going down during depressive moments in my life. And then the more, th and then things just kind of waking up once I, I, I worked through issues I'd had from uh, my, uh, my abusive childhood and, and things that I'd been through growing up. And I still go to therapy every week to this day because I know it's a key to, to, to keeping my sanity. And, and, and sometimes you can't afford it. And, and, and sometimes it, there's so many obstacles. But if you really want it and you really want to do it, you will find a way. And, and that's the long answer to the question I don't remember. And I hope I didn't pontificate too much because I, I never like to get too preachy because I, I tend to because my dad's a preacher and I watched him preach every Sunday. What's that? Okay, good, good. Thank you. Thank you. So I hope that's helpful. And I, I want to see you guys, you know, Find that feeling. You're watching Dragon Ball, you know, and you find that feeling that's like, ah, I feel that way every day when I go to work. I don't have to watch a show to do it. You see what I'm saying? And I'm proud of that. And I want that for each and every one of you. For whatever career you pick, whatever career you pick. And I even observe other artists. I love watching uh, people who make things, um, uh, like craftsmen or artists or painters. People are not even my genre. And, I pay, and they all have one thing in common. They have great care and attention to detail to everything they do and tremendous passion with it. And no matter what it is, even if you suck at it, one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life, and, and this is the last thing, I don't finish the answer because I'm on a roll and I'm excited, but... Um, one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life is I was a young uh, French horn teacher. I walked into band one day, and there's these beginner band kids playing like, you know, they're all warming up with the band director, and I'm going in there to teach lessons. And it's like horribly out of tune and shitty, and it's like, and they're, you know, they're sixth graders. They sound like crap. It was wonderful because I could hear underneath all the out-of-tuneness and out of all the, the bad timing, the passion and the excitement these kids were just holding in for trying so hard. So to me, it was as beautiful as a perfectly played symphony. So you find that when you can look for those undercurrents, you find that passion and you see that, you can say, okay, how can I do that in my own work? So whether or not you're uh, working at Guitar Center or, or you know trying to pay your way through college or you know Taco Bell or you know being passionate where you're at in your spot is always going to translate to where you want to be. And so don't ever forget that. And I guess that's the only little addendum I wanted to add to my, my lengthy speech about what the hell to do with your life. And you can tell me to F off anytime you want. Yes, guy who looks like he should be in an all-boy band or something. I don't know. You remind me of one of the guys from, from uh, you got the beard and the, I don't know. And you got this, yes. Uh, hey, Sean. Yes, uh, hey. Uh, my name is Gaz. Um, yes, Gaz, I remember you. Yeah, thanks. Um, I like your Super Saiyan hair. First, we were saying, yeah. yeah. That's the one, yeah, it's just kind of inspired. Um, first and foremost, I think everybody in here in the room would like to wish Chris all the best. I'm not too sure what's going on there. I can tell you what's going on, actually. Let me tell you so you know. He said it was okay to say it. 
Uh, Chris does not like to miss conventions, and he was very upset that he had to cancel. Um, he lost his dad several years ago, and his mother's alone, basically. And she's normally in the fit of health, and she's 70 years old, and she had a little bit of a fall, and then some other things got involved that I don't even know about yet that the doctors can't figure out something's going on with her and he got very concerned I don't know if his brothers were available he has two brothers um, so he went to Houston to take care of his mother because um, she's very ill right now and uh, they're not really sure what's going on so he was kind of concerned and for him to miss a show uh, I don't know that it means it's serious but the fact that he's concerned so um, that's why he's not here and he, he he's told me very uh, that he was very upset that he couldn't make it so if hopefully just pass on our wishes all of us absolutely will He'll pro- so, this guy's videotaping it so he's going to see it probably um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah as a question goes um, can you make three differences between the English and the Welsh and what would you prefer Shenron the dragon or a Welsh dragon wait three differences between the English and the Welsh what do you mean the English people and the Welsh people Am I, I'm, you're asking me to delineate differences to t- see if I know the difference I have no idea I know that there's a lot of consonants in Welsh a lot of them like a lot, and I am an Irish Gaelic speaker, and I tried to learn Welsh, and I was very bad at it. I was good at Gaelic, but I was not good at uh, Welsh. I knew a Welsh professor, and I was trying to figure out how to learn it, and I'm terrible. Um, the difference in Welsh, the accent is different. The food is fundamentally the same. It's on the same, no, it's not the same. I have no idea. The landmass is close, it's the, the same. I have no, uh, there's spoons. The wooden spoons are I, are important, and there's a dragon. And for some reason, even though you are all the same fundamental size as most other people on Earth, the glasses are very small. And the like, they, I don't. I was joking this morning in my hotel. I was like, "Why are these glasses? But well, they think people are here." And, and one of the Welsh people said, "They think we're all hobbits here." They said, some, someone said that to me. A Welsh person said, that. "I think they think we're all hobbits." And I'm like, "But the glasses are. You guys are normal-sized people like everyone else on Earth." Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I'm, I'm an Anglo. I don't know if I'm a Welshophile. I probably should be, but I, I definitely love this part of the world. So I don't know if I can name three differences. My first time to Wales was when I visited Bristol, which I, apparently is in in England, uh, and uh, I, I took a train to Cardiff and was confused about that. Um, which the train rides are wonderful. Um, they're so nice. Uh, and and what was the other question? The, A Welsh dragon, well, oh, oh, dra- oh, you're talking about a Welsh voice, or you're talking about a Welsh drawn dragon. Man, a Welsh drawn dragon would be cool in Dragon Ball, like that, that traditional Welsh style. That would be cool. Yeah, I would like to see that. And I also heard about a Welsh dub of Dragon Ball that I've never heard before. Somebody mentioned it to me who was in my, who's in, anybody in my line tell me about the Welsh version? I guess they didn't come to the panel. Somebody in my autograph line said, yeah, there's a Welsh dub of Dragon Ball. I'm like, really? Like, I really want to hear that from back in the day. I don't know where it is now, but that would be interesting to hear. Uh, in Wales, in Welsh, not Wales, Welsh, yes. Um, anyway, I, I can't answer your question better than that. I apologize. Uh, Bulma, this other Bulma, we'll get you in the front. We'll get some people in the back, too. I don't want to forget the people in the back. Yes. Okay, I think only a couple more, t- t- more questions. This Bulma, yes. Who's your favorite character, favorite saga, and why? Oh, favorite character on Dragon Ball? Yeah. My fa- uh, here's the thing. Um, I discovered during Battle of Gods and Resurrection F that my favorite saga was the arc of Goku and Vegeta's relationship. And that's what Dragon Ball's about. <laughs> and I, I realized that because I was never the big... I, I was never into the Vegeta character as much as everybody else was. But I got to say, I, I don't know that I'm a Vegeta fan yet because I've always been more of a Piccolo fan and a Bubbles and Gregory fan. I love the little characters. And by the way, here's a little secret. Anytime 
you see Goku greeting Bubbles or Gregory, and I'll get to your question in a second. I always try to say their names with a double entendre or a subtext of that the last time Goku saw Bubbles and Gregory, they had some kind of party that was debaucherous. So you'll see Goku is like, King Kai is like, Goku, you here? And then Goku's like, Bubbles, Gregory. Like, as in, remember that party we had? We all got early, and then we did this, and we woke up naked all together. Like, there's always an... in. I'm always trying to imply that they did something very wrong the last time they hung out. So now when you hear it, you'll know what I was thinking when I was, when I was uh, <laughs> recording it. Uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things. I love Bubbles and Gregory. So, and Chris Sabat does the voice of Bubbles. Uh, he, he, I love his bubble. <laughs> he does it so well. Um, and then, uh, and why? Oh, I, uh, why, do I, why do I like that? I think, why do I like that relationship? Well, uh, one of the reasons I like it is it's, it's fascinating to me Akira Toriyama has been on public on record. I don't know if this is true or not, but he has publicly said on record, according to sources that seem reputable, that he thought that Goku's not necessarily a uh, traditional uh, hero, savior type character. He really only cares about fighting the strongest and nothing else. And if the world gets saved as a result of that, Akira Toriyama said that would be an interesting thing. What I think is also interesting that he did not say is that what I think is interesting is you have one character, Vegeta, who grows and evolves like a normal character would or should, meaning they, they're different now than they were, which is what actors like. You know, that's what humans are. We tend to grow and evolve. And Goku stays fundamentally the same, like he's been hit on the head with a rock. Oh, wait, that happened. So, <laughs> so for me as an actor, it's really frustrating to play Goku. And only in Super have we gotten to see a few little notes of insight into Goku's character, I've really enjoyed uh, the scene where Goku's trying to navigate a smartphone and he's a radish or cabbage. He's doing radish, you know, cabbages or something. And he's a total idiot, but then somehow seems to understand politics. But then he's clueless about it when he's dealing with Beerus. And it's very confusing. So I think what's interesting is you have two characters who start out one way and then you have one character staying the same and the other one growing. And that dichotomy is fascinating to me. Also, what I think would be funny is my, my plan for Dragon Ball, which will never happen because I don't work in Japan and they don't give a crap about what I think in terms of the story. They care about what I'm doing here vocally, but would be if for Goku got hit on the head again and became totally evil and Vegeta had to teach him how to be nice. And he's <laughs> bad at it. So Goku, that would be hilarious because Goku's like totally like dick, like way worse than Vegeta ever was like, I think you have to say thank you after you open the door. I'm not sure. Like something, you know, we don't hit our women. Well, I'd like to, but I don't, you know, or, you know, it, it would be so funny to see Vegeta trying to show Goku how to be nice when he's worse than Vegeta was because he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be sent to Earth to terraform it and then he got hit on the head and didn't. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Let me get somebody in the back. Thank you, Bulma. Let me go way in the back because uh, I don't want to ignore people. Yeah, the, the guy with the finger. Well, everyone seems to have fingers here, but um, I don't want to say that because everyone's. I, I did that once, and the guy raised his hand. He did not have a hand, um, <laughs> and then I felt like a total dick. Um, yes, go ahead. Somebody raises their hand with no hand. I'm walking out of here um, and win shame. Go ahead. Right, you are. Um, fortunately, due to time, it's going to be the last question. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I talk so much. I'm so sorry. Um, not Hello, really. Uh, yes. Uh, um, Beavis, check it out. Um, I, I, know I thought you sounded like Butt Beavis for a second. You went, uh, and I was like, are you doing a, <laughs> a butthead impression? Hey, Beavis, check it out. <laughs> Ask the question. <laughs> Ask the question. I, I, 
I, I noticed for some of your characters, you um, they sound the same. Like, do you just run out of voices or do you feel like... Screw you! They don't <laughs> sound the same! What the hell are you talking about? Like, like, um, like, Griger and Viper from Yu-Gi-Oh! Which, like, who? Sorry, I don't... They probably do sound the same. What? <laughs> like, Which characters? Um, like, um... Viper from Yu-Gi-Oh! GX Bi and Griger from um, 5Ds. Bi who's the first one? I can't. I'm translating uh, your accent. I'm sorry. P Professor Thelonious Viper from uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Oh, Viper. Yeah. yeah. And then Griger. And Griger from 5Ds. Yeah, that's actually particularly vexing to me, and you make an excellent point. And this is where my hands are kind of tied. I don't like it when my boy, I don't run out of voices, and I don't think I ever will, because if I believe that there's a limit, then I'm going to be really depressed, I mean, although there probably is. But... What happens in that scenario, and this is what happens a lot in voice acting. First of all, you work for a number of years, and you develop a certain number of voices, and then things get very busy. And so you go in, like I'm working at Four Kids regularly. They call me in a lot, and they just put me in the spot and say, ah, we need a voice for this. Uh, do this. And I'm like, okay, can I? So I don't have time to go, okay, hang on a second. Let me check the other 95 voices I did over the last 10 years and make sure this doesn't sound like it, which I would actually love to do. And I, want, I, I don't want them to sound the same. I agree with you. I don't want them to sound the same. And, and if I had known that, um, you know, that it was that close to you, it, even if you're the only person on earth who notices it, it still bothers me because I don't want anybody to know it. I really don't. That's one of my ethics for, for voice acting. So uh, what happens is, is that they, you don't get a chance to review it. They are, and this is, you know, is going to sound arrogant, but a lot of times my ear's better than the director, and so I know I can hear those differences. And they go, ah, oh, no, it's different. I'm like, no, it's the same, but I don't remember. So they asked me to do Viper, and they say, well, it's a low voice. So I do a low voice. I don't get to hear the other one. I don't know enough about the character. It looks really similar. I pull something out of my ass. They go, we love it. And I'm wanting to get paid and get a job, so I don't have time to do it, so I just do it. So it's really a, a side effect of the nature of the business, and, and I absolutely agree with you. I would love to be able to... I always want to do new and interesting voices, and I, I hate it when that happens, actually. I also don't like it when I'm watching a show or I'm in a show where you know it's me immediately. My goal is to help suspend your disbelief. So that's why I don't like it when they cast celebrities as voice actors and then draw them like that. I'm like, no, I, I, now I'm, I'm watching this actor, uh, whether it's Sarah Silverman or, or, or somebody else in Wreck-It Ralph, now it's them. They're not, and not that they're good actors, they're fine actors, but I'm just saying, Hollywood and some of the producers start thinking, wouldn't it be great if we... I'm like, yeah, but now you're ruining the suspension of disbelief and now the character's not believable. So I don't, I don't mind it when people say, hey, I heard your voice in this. It doesn't offend me. But part of me is going, darn, I don't want you to know it's me unless it's my natural speaking voice because I want to change my voice and transform so much that you can't tell to where you're lost in the character and not thinking, oh, yeah, it's Sean Schemmel. There he goes again. I'm thinking about Sean now. And I'm not really enjoying the acting very much because there he is, you know... Being Sean, like I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a weird thing, but I, I want, I want a very much. Plus, I'm a big fan of Mel Blanc, and and he's such a good, he's so good at changing his voice and and making it so believable that I want to be that good. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to convince you that I'm somebody else, and 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 so that you don't think about me and that you're thinking about the character, and then you can think about me when we're talking right now. Um, <laughs> but it, it, that's a good, that's a good. You're the only person that's ever pointed that out to me. Now I'm probably going to go back and listen to it. And go, what the hell did I do here? Like, what, what's going on? But um, you know, that's uh, they, they, those two probably do sound. Now that I remember which ones you're saying, I think those two two probably do sound similar. I know we got to wrap it up, but I want to catch my breath here and collect my thoughts so that I can wrap it up properly because I'm going a mile a minute and I'm jet lagged. Um, don't forget this. You know, um, 
You know how like one of my favorite things about moments like this, we we all we all have a kind of a con- common thread here in this love for Dragon Ball and 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 what we're talking about, and it's changed my life, changed your life, and we're all together. To me, these moments are special because you ever see those pictures? It's like 1920, and there's the there's the kayaking team, and they're all a crew, and they're in that moment, they're all buddies together, and they have that special moment. There they are, 19. That's our moment right now. Like a hundred years from now, there'll be a picture of this. All of us, some of us will be dead, most of us will be dead, maybe won't, but you know, some be old. Go, I remember I saw that show. Guy, he died. This is a special moment. This is our special moment of a black and white photograph, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of it here in Wales. So thank you for having me, and I look forward to seeing you guys later at my table. Thank you very much. Thank you. So today we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to slow it down. No. Um, my name is Sean Schemmel. Um, I was actually born Sean Enslow. I have an English last name. Uh, from, and genealogy goes back to Staffordshire, England. But um, uh, just that's an anecdote. But I'm the voice actor. I'm best known as the voice of Goku and King Kai and Nail and Dragon Ball uh, Z. And I've done about 100 different voices over the last uh, uh, 20 years, 18, 20 years. Uh, for various different shows, and yesterday we had kind of a impromptu, uh, inspirational t- type of how to get through life panel. So today I'm going to try to keep it light and uh, fun. And uh, although if I were running for uh, the president of Wales, I would my platform would be air conditioning for all. Uh, <laughs> I keep joking about that because I'm so spoiled as a guy like, everywhere I go and I'm in my hotel room I'm like oh my god I'm sweating um, uh, but at night it's nice I open the door and, and I let the false widows in um, no we call them brown recluses or something anyway so I'm an ADR director and a voice actor and a musician and I, I, I you know I, I make my living talking into microphones and, and coming here and meeting you guys and, uh, and that's about it so I'm just gonna you know it's such a small crowd today we can just open the floor Right away, and uh, and you know, do some Q and A. Yeah, yeah. And what's your name again? Gavin. What? I'm Gavin. 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 G G A V I N. Gavin. Oh, okay. Okay. Just making sure I got it. Oh, we have some. We have some stragglers. Excellent. Excellent. More people. We got uh, Bad Santa and his kids who are not a quarter Asian. Um, <laughs> that's a joke we had earlier. Um, so uh, we were chatting earlier. Um, so yeah, let's just open it up and the floor. And Any questions? Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and I had a great time <laughs> here in Wales. And uh, no, um, I guess I could t- I could I'd tell you some anecdotes and, and tell you guys have questions, uh, how I got my start maybe, or or uh, what my favorite food is. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> like you care about that, um, but I have enjoyed myself here in Wales. It's uh, I'm a bit of an Anglophile, so I, I like this area of the world quite a bit, um, particularly the history and uh, culture of the British Isles, and uh, I have a little bit of that DNA myself, so I'm, I'm excited about that, and uh, uh, I guess I've been doing this a long time, and I meet a lot of people, and I think my favorite thing is coming to a smaller show like this and meeting the, the real hardcore, f- you know, I go to a big pop culture thing, and yeah, hardcore fans go to that, but they're also there to see the X-Men guys and, you know, whatnot, but you guys, you know, the, the hardcore anime fans, you're like, you know, 
it's amazing when we did Resurrection F, the amount of like uh, grassroots support we had. It's uh, it's almost like that that you know your favorite cult band that is popular, but they're not you know the Beatles popular, but they're popular popular, and they have like a cult following, but they just have this staying power that goes on forever, and they just come out of the woodwork every few years. Dragon Ball's like that. It's really a life-changing experience for me. So I'm going to open the floor back up to questions because I'm running out of things to say at this moment because I'm very, very tired. But um, let's see if Gavin has a question. Maybe. Well, um, I've always been a fan of uh, voice actors and voice oh, acting. Oh, th that's very nice. Thank you. A lot of people aren't fans of voice actors, no, it, so it, that's cool, man. It takes a lot of talent to be able to do something that you're not using effectively your whole face and your body for. Yeah, you got to put all that emotion into the voice, yeah. And I, I just... I want to ask, what is it that inspired you to do it? Well, I, 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 I hit on this, uh, uh, how I got into it yesterday. And the only way I can describe it is, um, it's like, I, I don't know if your brains work this way. I think some of you probably can relate. But you ever do something in life, and then you do it, and you go, oh, yeah, I kind of wanted to do this my whole life, and I didn't know it. And then all of a sudden, you're doing something. You know what I mean? It's like you try a food, or you... You know, or where have you been on my... It's weird like that. Because as a small boy, I was uh, very fascinated by impersonators as just as a kid. Like maybe three, four, or five years old. And I loved to turn the volume down on my TV on shows that I thought were boring. And just make up my own voices. And I was particularly inspired by the sound of newscasters' voices. But more importantly, I listened to a lot of... Uh, Bill, we had a lot of Bill Cosby records. And uh, I was a big fan of Robin Williams. And um, uh, Rich Little was a, a pivotal guy, though, and he's a famous American impersonator who was really popular 60s, 70s, 80s, even the 50s, I think. And he's still going strong, but he would do the Rich Little show, and he would do impersonations of actors I had never heard of because I was a little kid. I, I didn't know who Jack Benny was or Johnny Carson. I was a little kid watching TV. I, you know, I, I, all I cared about was Speed Racer and Batman, you know. And he would just, you know, he'd turn into Jack Benny. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's a different person. Like, it just as a kid, it would just freak me out, like, like how he would just become someone else as if a different spirit had entered his body. And I was so fascinated by that. I was like, I want to be, I want to change who, what I am just by changing my voice. That'd be so cool. But I didn't think about it as a career. And then I became a huge fan of Mel Blanc growing up, um, you know, who's a master. And every time, man, that guy's so good. Every time I start thinking I'm good at voice acting, I'll watch a Bugs Bunny cartoon and go, back to the drawing board. Like, I just, you, you don't, I never feel adequate enough. Like, I, I really want to take it to a that level. And I just don't think that's ever going to happen for me. But I keep trying. I'm not going to give up. Um, and I was fascinated by all this. And I would do impersonations and voices all the time. So I was never inspired to be a voice actor per se. Uh, I wanted to be a musician, and I was for a while. And, uh, and I, I played in orchestras. And, and I, all I wanted to do is be the, as great as Dennis Brain, the greatest French horn player ever lived, who is British, by the way. Um, and his whole family was uh, a group of famous hornists, uh, one of whom went to L.A. and became uh, principal horn in the L.A. F and, uh, I think L.A. Phil. And... Uh, uh, played on a lot of Hollywood movies in the in the twenties, maybe it might have been in the twenties, thirties. I can't remember the dates, but um, so I always, I just wanted to be a musician, you know. And then there was an open casting call for a show called Dragon Ball Z in nineteen ninety nine, and uh, my friends were like, "You got to try out for this thing." We saw in the I didn't see it in the newspaper. There was an ad, and they, you got to try this. I'm like, "No, I'm gonna be a horn player." And they're like, "No, no, you, you do voices." And they used to invite me to go to parties, and they would put me in a corner and say, "Okay, do an impression of Popeye, doing an impression of." of Kermit the Frog doing an impression of, they like, would make me do multiple impressions mixed together and I would try to, and I would just try to entertain them. And so when I came in for the audition, 
uh, we were, we were required to mimic the Canadian cast because Funimation was moving production from Canada to the U.S. And they put me in a room and li- had me listen to 12 different characters. And I remember think- sitting in the room going, oh, my God, this is a piece of cake. I do this all the time, like for fun. Um, and I, and I, I just listen to the tape and I mimic the voice and listen to the tape. And they go, okay, we're ready for you. I go in the audition, did everything, and I, I applied my same acumen from preparing for a classical music audition, which requires a lot of focus and preparation. I said, well, I'm just going to do it like that. And uh, I had some acting experience in college and some plays and some acting experience in high school. Um, and I directed some plays in high school. So I, I was active in the drama department in high school but and, and a little bit in college, but not like going to be an actor. And um, then I got the lead. I got Goku. It was my first audition. And I, was, I, I didn't even realize it was the lead until about two or three weeks into it. Like I was recording. And they're like, you know, you know, this is the main character. I'm like, really? Oh, that's awesome. Like, I was, I was Gokuing out. Like, I did not understand. And so then from there, I, I'd met some other voice actors, and I moved to New York uh, to pursue acting and voice acting. I never took any acting classes. I ended up getting a job immediately as an ADR director for NYV Post with Michael Center Nicholas. If you guys are familiar with his work, he's the voice of Dean Venture on Venture Brothers, and he, uh, he does a lot of, uh, directs a lot of different uh, uh, dubs. Uh, really talented guy and he gave me a job and I got to direct all the best talent in town so through directing them my my skill set got better because my attitude at the time was to be the Borg I would absorb the distinctive collectiveness into my own and become more powerful which I actually thought that at the time I was like I'm going to Borgify all these actors and I owe them a, a ton of credit I have I've said numerous times that I'm a I'm a solid voice actor if you think I am because of watching Veronica Taylor and Dan Green and Wayne Grayson and Michael Sinter Nicholas and, and uh, all the talent I worked with in New York, just directing them, I just watch how they do it. And I would learn, 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 learn. And then I would go audition and take it with me and I'd be successful. And uh, it turned into a career purely by accident. And, and it was one of those things that once I got into the booth the first couple of weeks, I remember just feeling like I had come home. I'm like, wow, I like this even more than horn playing. And that's like my favorite thing in the world. Um, I can't, I couldn't imagine I would like anything more. And, uh, you know, I do, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as they keep hiring me. I still like it. Um, and, and, and sometimes I think about quitting, not as Goku, but I think about, I, I want to do some other types of acting and some improv and stuff. And I'm like, I'm, I'm always going to be a voice actor, but do I want to do, you know, other things? And, uh, that's something that's on the horizon for me. Hopefully I don't, I don't know. Cause it, I got mixed feelings about the acting world cause I didn't grow up as an actor. So there's a lot of, uh, narcissism and BS and politics that I, I have no taste for and I'm really bad about poking people's narcissistic bubbles and, and I've learned very quickly moving to Hollywood that everyone's real sensitive about that and I'm like really you're not you're really that immature really like I, I was kind of astounded I even studied narcissism before I moved to LA just like okay what do, how do I deal with these guys not that we don't all, all don't have narcissistic traits. I mean, I, I, you know, we all focus on ourselves from time to time, and some of us more than others. But you know, generally speaking, uh, I've noticed in, in Hollywood especially that it is self-promotions. You know, everything negative you've heard about Hollywood is true. Uh, it's not as bad as it used to be. The casting couch isn't as bad, although that doesn't really affect me as a man. But and, and pay is not equal with women, although none of my female colleagues in voice acting get less than me. So I think it's just the bigger stars that it happens to. Um, and so that, that's a long answer to that question. Um, and that's a good question. Has anybody else been inspired to ask a question now that I've been yammering? Yes, I forgot your name. No. What's that? I do my hair. But, thank you. But um, who cuts? It's funny that you mentioned that because I always had a hard time. Here's a, here's a hair lesson for you. For those of you who have curly, curly hair like me, I strongly recommend. 
curly hair products and a hairstylist who will cut your hair for curly hair because I, I used to have terrible haircuts and I, I hated having curly hair. I didn't know that, that as I got older, the ladies liked curly hair, but I always tried to straighten my hair all the time. You know, growing up, I hated it. I hated, hated it. And my dad was always buying shitty shampoo for us. And, and so I realized once I became an adult and had my own money, it's like, I'm going to buy some fancy shampoo, but, and I'm going to buy this, you know, and my dad's like, are oh, you too fancy? I'm like, look, you don't have this to deal with. Trust me. It's a pain in my ass. But I found this hairstylist uh, in New York uh, for a company called Weedad, which only does curly hair specialists. And this one lady cut my hair. Uh, she's so good at it. And uh, she, there was a special curly system that this lady created, and it's a, a chain in America, and it's very fancy, and it cost me like 100 bucks to get my hair cut. But granted, I only get it cut like every three to six months. So I'm only, yeah, so it's not like I do it. You know, I, I, and then what I do, and my secret is I tell them, I said, I want you to cut it to where it can grow out and be three or four different haircuts over time. It can't be like good for four weeks, and then it's like, you know, mullet, you know. And they were good at doing that. So uh, I, what's funny, she moved to L.A., and then I had to go to a substitute who was not as good at Widad. And then several years later, I moved to L.A., and then I found her. And I said, I want to get my hair cut by you again. And so I drive to Santa Monica every you know, three to six months or whenever it's too long. And then she, she's like, a, I swear she's an android because I'll watch her work. And her eye-to-hand coordination is so robotically perfect. And her sense of space and, and evenness, is, she's so accurate. I'm like, she's just like a robot, you know, and, and not in personality, but just in her uh, skill set. Uh, and so that's, and so when I get up, I, I keep it pretty simple though. I just use a normal, I use a fancy, I use the hotel shampoo, but I brought my own conditioner and then I towel dry it. And then I, I, I comb it and let it dry. And then I don't put any goop in it. And luckily the reason it looks good today is because it's very humid here and humidity actually is good for my hair. My girlfriend's like, she's like humidity, humidity ruins her hair. And, and, and then she'll see me and she's like, you know. She's always pissing me off. She's like, well, I'll, I'll complain about my hair. And she's like, oh, poor baby. Oh, and she gets mad. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And, uh, so uh, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> that's it. So for those of you who have uh, issues with hair, I strongly recommend the fancy hair care products. They, they are worth the money if you get the right one. <laughs> hair care with Sean Schimmel. Um So I think uh, Chris has a Yeah, question. Chris. <laughs> Depends on the data they give you. And for me, like, I'm not a spiritual guy. I'm a scientific guy, but I'll use spiritual terms because I don't have a scientific explanation sometimes. But um, there, there's definitely a, a, a – there, it's weird. There, there's When you go in for an audition, you'll have the written spec of what they want. And sometimes it can be very specific. And I, I, I'm so particular. I get really picky about real subtle things that nobody else notices, such as – bone structure and like I'll see I'll watch a cartoon and I'll see like a small nose and I can hear the voice actor playing it has a large nose because I can hear the resonance chamber and they're not 
doing what they need to do with their nose to make it sound like it come out of that bone structure. So I'll pay attention to things like that even. So that's one element. That's just one element. But as far as the inspiration is concerned, they'll, they'll, uh, and that's a small, that's one of those icing on the cake elements that I kind of jumped ahead of myself, but they'll have the spec and they'll talk about what they want. And, I, and you have to use your experience and your knowledge to understand, uh, do they want the spec? It, if the spec is, and by the spec, I mean the description, you know, low, gruff voice, uh, he, and, and the description of the character. He's an angry character who's, you know, abused by his parents as a child, and now he's in the military and wants to do nothing but kill. Okay, fine. Um, or whatever. Or he's, you know, happy-go-lucky, and everyone loves him, and he's always a, like a little kid, but he sounds like an old man, but he's a kid, and you're trying to figure out what they want. Sometimes they'll have a YouTube link to an archetype like Morgan Freeman, like this guy, like that guy. And then when you do it, like exactly like they want and don't get it, and then you hear what they pick and it's nothing like that, it is the most infuriating thing in the world. And it's gotten worse in L.A. because when I was living in New York, I always worked with a casting director or the director when I went in for an audition live. But in L.A., because of the Internet and because of MP3s and because of the amount of auditioning, here's how my audition process works. I have a voiceover agent named Arlene Thornton who's wonderful. And... Um, uh, I'll get in my email anywhere from one to 10 or 20, uh, auditions every day. Um, sometimes none, sometimes none for a few weeks, but generally out throughout the course of a month, I've got dozens of auditions and, and there'll be just scripts. And it'll say, this is due back by this date and here's the spec. And then you'll have a, a, a script and sometimes they'll have a picture of the character. Sometimes it won't sometimes it, it, cause it's from all different producers. And so there's all different. And so you don't get to act, ask questions and interact. Like if you were a director right now, I'd say, I'd say, so do you like that? Is it too high? Is it too low? Or do you want me to, and then you could say, well, I really like it, but I want more of this. And we can really work together to create a voice during the audition. And I'm really good, and I would win like 80% of my auditions because I'm really good at, one of my strengths is, is being able to really tell what a person wants, not just by what they're saying, but how they are coming across to me emotionally. So I'm reading them very deeply. For example, I auditioned for this one show. Uh, it was created by this, I can't even remember the guy's name, but he was an Oscar award winning uh, animator. And it was a French show. I don't even know if it's come out yet because this is several years ago. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have the creator in the booth and then they'll have the director, the casting director, and the creator will say a bunch of creative things, but they'll have the talk back off and then it'll tell the casting director and then they boil everything down to some basic words that you understand, which I hate because it takes away all this je ne sais quoi and, and nuance that I want to hear, right? So I remember doing this audition. I couldn't get the voice right and uh, the, 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 the casting director is fine. She's a lovely lady and, and, and she was perfectly talented at what she did, but she would always oversimplify things and I really wanted to connect with that director and, and really see what was in I could see him through the glass and I couldn't talk to him, right? So, so she accidentally left the talk back on during one of their conversations and I heard one word that he said and, and I don't remember what the word was, but it was based on his tone of voice, his energy and the kind of person he was and what he wanted. Immediately, I was like, I know what he wants and just one word and then I didn't got the part and it made me so mad because there are, there are obstacles that and other actors just put up with it because they're just like well that's just the business and I'm, I'm very aggressive I'm like no I want to talk to that I want to I want to know what is going on because I'm here to win I'm not here to make you comfortable <laughs> I'm not worried about that I'm and that comes from my classical music training because in classical music I go to audition I make the stand where I want I adjust everything where I want I'm not here to I'm here to win, you know? So they, th there's a lot of a nervousness as a performer. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I'm like, no, I'm stepping on your toes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play hardball and give you what you want. I'll go into an audition sometimes. I did this before, and they say, we don't like you to read for this guy. We think your voice is great for this. And I went to this one audition. And this is advice for any time you're you know, doing this. Oh, you got to be careful because you better be good if you're going to do it. Um, I went to this one audition. Like, there's like 10 characters, and they go, we want you to read for this one guy. He's like a business guy. He's a jerk, and you know, we think your voice is great for that. And I go, that's fine. I'm prepared to read all 10 characters. And they go, well, I go, I'm reading all 10 characters. Trust me. You're going to want me to read all 10 characters. I just said it. 
Now, you don't say that unless not, you can't just have big cojones and not back it up because I knew that I was going to. So I read for 10 characters. I turned winning one part into winning three parts. So I win three voices on that property just by insisting that I do that. Now, you have to play that game right because sometimes the director, you don't want to do Because in Hollywood, if I did that, I did that in New York. Hollywood, they're like, you know, get out of here. You know, they, they don't want any of that. Um, and so I got to be really careful about, about toes I step on. But as far as inspiration, you, you know, you get this vibe and this feel, and if you look at the spec and then you read the script, and a lot of times the script really betrays the spec. And so when I first moved to L.A., I would really focus on the spec, and I wasn't winning parts. And then I just finally started going, if you read the script, and it's a good script, and you know, I really understand how to interpret it, it's going to, a voice will just appear in your mind. At least that's the way it works for me. And then I'll, I'll record it and listen to it and then do it a couple times. And sometimes I'll do two or three different voices because they'll let you do two or three. You'll say, you know, you slate Sean Chimmel's voice of so-and-so, three takes. And, th- and that's okay. They're, when you do five or six takes, they're getting mad. But and three is pretty much the limit. And they're usually only like two, and in most cases, one. Um, and so there are a lot of factors that the more data, like if I have a drawing, that's helpful. History, if they have, and they never give me like vocal descriptions. Like I, I would prefer if they would give me like, you know, high, low, smooth, rough, specific accents, you know, like a lot of specific de- details. And a lot of times they don't give you that information because they don't know. And so what they do is they're not talented. So they don't know what they want because they're just, you know, not, not every producer is not talented, but I've noticed that a lot of them are so left-brained in their thinking and they don't know what they want until they hear it that they can't describe you what they want. So then they pat themselves on the back for casting a show when really they just threw a net into a sea of talent and got lucky. And that happens a lot in LA and it's frustrating for me because what will happen is because I, I, one of my strengths is being able to do a lot of different voices, I will do the audition, send it in, and then I'll hear who they picked. I'm like, well, shit, I could have done that. Like I, and I can copy it almost instantly. And, you know, and I'm like, well, if I'd been working with you in the booth, I would have gotten to that voice. So it's really vexing to me. And they go, well, there's just not enough time. I go, no, you're just not willing to put in the time. So I get, I get really frustrated, and it makes me want to quit sometimes. It really does. But I just keep slogging away. It's a numbers game, you know, and I hate numbers games. I like games of skill, but... It's not, it's not. In LA, it's, it's really, you just, you audition, you audition, you audition, you get lucky, they like you, you become flavor of the month. And then some guys, what they do, there's a couple of voice actors I know, what they do is they schmooze with the, the, the creators of the games, and they, they like them because they're famous, and they go, hey, we really like you, we want to put you on a part. And I don't do any of that, not because I don't want to do that, but I really want to win parts because I was a good actor, not because they like me personally. And, to, and, and that's a bad thing. It's not really the best thing to do because... I do it so badly that I will not even, I won't be nice or mean, but I, I won't be as social as I probably should be because I don't want to get cast for nepotism and friendship. I want to get cast because I won the part. And other actors are like, I don't give a shit. Just cast me. I don't care. Just, you know, I'll just take anything. And I'm like, okay, well, you can do that. And I'm losing money because of that. But at least when I know when I go in for the part, it's because I actually won it. Um, and that's just important to me. I, I think it comes from my classical training. You know, from when I was a hornist, you know, I knew that if I went and auditioned for something and I got the part, you know, there's a blind screening and there was no nepotism because they don't know who you are and they just hearing the sound of your horn. You knew you won on merit, you know. And I've even lost auditions for the Dallas Opera. I, I, I called the conductor after I, I made it to the finals and I didn't get in. I said, why didn't I get in? I was, I, what did I do wrong? You know, like, oh, no, you were great. You just your sound was too big for the section. And I was like, oh, well. That's cool. <laughs> so, because then you find out, and that's good for insecurity because I could have walked away going, man, I must be a terrible horn player. I must, you know, you can fill it in with all kinds of negative stuff. But then when I called him, he said, no, your sound was just too, you know, you just got too powerful sound for our section. And I'm like, oh, well, I can live with that. I'm not a bad horn player after all. So, um, you know, stuff like that you can find out. And a lot of times, 
you know, I remember I was talking to this Nickelodeon director, and she, I got a part on a show. She goes, I'm so glad we got in here. You're, you're so good. We love you. Um, and you're always second every time. You're second so, so many auditions. And I'm like, well, can I call you and ask you why I'm second so I can figure out how to be first? But you can't do that. So it's a weird mind-reading numbers game that I can't stand. I mean, I hate that part of the industry so much, particularly how it's gone in L.A., where in New York I was always working with another human and, and, and teasing out a voice. And that's why my success rate was so high. But now it's dropped way down. Uh, and, and, and it's particularly frustrating. So, uh, but you know, I keep slogging on, and and and, and uh, hopefully make it. That's a good question, though. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and there's a lot of other elements, you know, that to to do that. I could probably talk about auditioning all day because uh, it's all I do. <laughs> well, then, then I, and then I work, you know. So, um, do we have any other questions? By the way, is everybody enjoying themselves? Before we get to a question, do you have a good time at Geek Fest? You know, it's a good time. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. I just want to check because. Uh, uh, we, you know, we just want to make sure you're having a good time. But yeah, what do you want to ask? Sorry. <laughs> I get that question a lot. <laughs> more wishes. Um, I wonder if Shenron can do that. Can he say, I can't grant more wishes. Like, can he do that? Can he grant more wishes? I don't know. Can he? You know, I, I don't know. I used to, my, my used to, when I was a kid, I said, I want a lightsaber and the ability to fly. That's it. I used to need a lightsaber and the ability to fly. Um, I don't know. I think about different magic powers. I'm not going to wish for world peace. I don't know, living forever. I don't know. I, I you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, anti-gravity machines. Uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of, you know, you know. I, I think I picked that Hitchhiker's Guide at the inter, uh, Universe gun, the 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 point of view gun, and pass them out to all the military, so everyone has a point of view, so we don't have war. That would be the way to just to create the point of view gun from the Hitchhiker's Guide. That's what it's called. I think it's what it's called, right? The point of view gun or whatever. That's a really funny uh, uh, device that uh, Douglas Adams used. Um, so yeah, that that I don't know what it would be. You know, it was, is I have so many. Uh, what, what what were you thinking? Just what, do you have a wish? Do you have a what? Fly flying would be cool, wouldn't it? Flying or being invisible, or to be able to turn invisible. Because think about that. Banks. There you go. I mean, there's so much you can do being invisible. So much, man. What's that? Well, that's true, but. They don't know what's going on, you know. I mean, all you got to do is get out the door and then, you know, maybe an invisibility cloak that I could wrap things about, you know, so then I could, I could you know, abscond with the money in a cloak. I don't know. That, that's a good point. But still, I think I could still get the money out. I think I could. What if, what if you're invisible and the closure were invisible so if you stuck stuff in your pocket, it would still be invisible? I don't know. It depends on, I guess I'd have to be specific about the wish. I would like to the ability to turn invisible and things within a three-foot radius of me are also invisible. I don't know. I'm not going to have this debate with you. I'm not. No, I'm, I, I, no, I know, I'm joking. That's fine. That's funny. No, you make a good point. That's, uh, that's, that's funny. Um, any other questions? Yes, yes, yes. Ah, yes, guy here. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't usually think in those terms, but the only one recently I really wanted to uh, either direct or be in was uh, One Punch Man because um, I really liked that show. I wasn't pleased with the dub, I'll be honest. <laughs> I really wasn't, and I called the company and told them so, which was totally not a smart move to do. Um, I, you know, and that's probably going to bite me in the ass someday. I mean, I think all the actors on that cr uh, crew are good and, and fine. I don't think it was the actors. I think it was casting and, and direction and a little bit of the writing. But that's just me being a snob. You know, I don't, it's just my opinion. I don't, uh, they probably think my work on Dragon Ball sucks. I don't know. And I'm not even happy with all my work on Dragon Ball. I, I'm proudest of uh, the Resurrection F and Battle of Gods is the best work I've ever done in my life. I'm, I'm so proud of that. But there's a bunch of Z that I did that I don't like. And I don't usually tell people because I find that kids 
uh, feel like they can't like something I don't like because I play the character. And I'm like, look, if I don't like that episode or I think I suck in it, it doesn't mean you can't like it. You know, just because it's, I, I'm being self-critical doesn't mean that you can't enjoy my crappy work. And even if I think it's crappy, because if you like it, it doesn't mean you're invalid. So I try not to say what I don't like about my previous work. So, you know, especially the younger kids, oh, I guess I can't like that. You can like whatever you want. I don't care. Um, and sometimes, you know, they like something and I start seeing the merit in it. So it's, it's all subjective, and I'm a big fan of that um, and surrealism. Uh, any other questions? Yes, yes. Yeah, way in the back, yeah. Uh, ah, yes, that's the question. I'm going to be really frank with you. And before I get, like, seriously pissed off, just know it's not directed at you. I hate that question. And it makes me very angry. And there's legal and professional reasons why. Because I didn't spend 18 years of my life to talk about their show that's illegal, working on it. So it's like going up to Captain uh, you know, Kirk or somebody and saying, what do you think of Captain Picard? What do you think of Captain Picard? What do you think of Captain Picard? Captain Picard's like, I don't give a shit about Captain Picard. I didn't you know, work on that show. Um, yeah, I, I got an issue with that. And it's been a problem with, uh, uh, I think it's funny. And I think it's you know, good parody. And I think that they're making you know, money when they shouldn't be. And they're stealing animation. And uh, they, they wouldn't be as funny as they thought they were if they didn't have the source material. So, uh, and we've got 18 years of outtakes that are just as funny. And we just can't release them. So it's a, it's a vexing thing for me. And, and I think what people don't understand is they think I'm a jerk when I, when I complain about it. I'm like, I'm not just a fan. I live this. This is my life. This changed my world. I live, eat, and breathe and inhabit this character all the time. And I'm sanctioned by Funimation and Toei. And I commit my whole life to it. And you got these upstarts who are fine and funny. And I get it who are you know, stealing the animation, they think it's fair use, and it's not, and, and then getting millions and millions of hits and stuff like that, and that's fine. I'm like, I challenge them, which they're working on, to make your own original animation and be just popular. Because I've tried to make my own original cartoon, and it's hard. I'm, I, mean, I had to stop halfway through. I'm probably going to pick it up again at some point, but I was creating a show with a couple of friends of mine. It's a very challenging thing. So I think fans come up to me, and they think it's like, hey, I like it, you like it too, because we're all fans. I'm like, yeah, you're a fan, I'm a fan, but I work on the show. So it's not the same thing as us being buddies and talking about other, you know, the universe. Uh, I, I had a fan go like, I don't like the way you talk about this. To I go, I don't care what you don't like the way I comment about Team Four Star. I'm talking about my own job here. You know what I mean? So for me, it's a very, very personal thing. You know, I mean, Dra Goku and Dragon Ball Z is saved and changed my life. And I have made incredible sacrifice and spent hours and hours working on this show and cultivating the voice at very, very, very little pay and flew back on my own dime to finish the series so fans would have a legacy only to go to con after con and be asked about that is extraordinarily irritating to me. And that's not, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. You're, you're probably a very nice guy, but uh, probably. No, I'm kidding. Um, but th yeah, that's that's an issue. So um, and and there's a legal issue that that you know Toye is trying to 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 work out and Funimation is trying to work out, and it's a tricky one because then they say, oh, backlash, and the fans are backlash. And what's shocking to me is that fans would attack Toye or Funimation for pulling it down when they legally can. And I'm like, this show wouldn't even exist if they did if Toye didn't exist. You wouldn't even have Dragon Ball. So for you to write Toye and gripe at people at Toye is a pretty dickheaded move, in my opinion. I don't care if you put that on the web. So when, when, when they take it down on YouTube and then all the fans are like, oh, I'm, I'm going to tell Toye off. I'm like, what if Toye says, we're just not going to make any more Dragon Ball forever. Screw you. You know what I mean? Like, they make the original show. So I think there should be a certain amount of respect and reverence to that. And when they want to shut it down legally, go, ah, we're disappointed, but yeah, we get it. Instead of, ah, screw you, Toye, which I see a lot of. And it makes me very angry because the, the Akira 
Toriyama and Toye have given a really wonderful gift to me and you and everyone else, you know, and just because some kids parody and gets popular, you know, it doesn't mean that they have rights and that it's, you know, okay to complain to the company that made it in the first place. So it's a weird conundrum and part of it has to do with our law and parody law and then there's international parody law and I don't even know that a foreign show would have a fair use laws that apply in the U.S. based on the contract. There's a lot of legal rigmarole that I've tried to understand and analyze. Uh, One of the things that I find particularly irritating is uh, the fact that laws in general for dubbing, and and this is weird about our parody law. I don't know about uh, UK parody law, but what's interesting is that that it doesn't protect the original animation. So like the anime, like if you're going to do a true parody, you should have to parody the animation and the voices, whereas you can just take a visual and then dub over the track. Well, what about all the animators that spent hours and hours and hours, you know, at very, very little pay making all that, and you don't have to parody that, and that's just, you can just lift that, whereas they can just dub over it. It seems to me that you'd have to parody the whole thing, you know what I mean? So there's there's weird laws that, that need to be looked at and changed in our country. I don't know about the UK, but... And so it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky thing for me. You know, plus, plus there's a certain insecurity I had to deal with when you're replacing the Canadian cast and trying to carve out a slice for yourself. And then you have this, you know, being compared to the original Canadian cast. And then you do it for so many years. Then you have this other thing. And it's like there's no space for where you put your life work. I considered Goku more than all my other voice acting work. Even if I became as famous as Tom Cruise and was an Oscar-winning actor, Goku would be my legacy that I leave behind. And so I have never really had that space carved out, and I never felt valued or validated by Toy Animation in Japan until like two years ago when they finally told us, because we weren't really communicating with them directly because uh, uh, Funimation would definitely talk with them, and, and when we did the movies, we got to know them better, and they told us how much they loved our dub. And we were like, oh my God, after this many years, we just thought we were just you know so I, I take this serious as a, as a heart attack for what I do when I step in the booth and and I, and I hope it shows in the performance you know and 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 and, and it's it's the thing that's nearest and, and most precious in my life other than you know people in my life but you know as far as things in my life it is is extraordinarily precious to me um, so I hope, and don't be offended I'm I no no I, I don't want to be a jerk about the answer um, and that's why little kid here I forgot your name was you that's why I was kind of snarky with you yesterday because you asked me the same question and I was actually really pissed off at that moment because I was jet lagged and tired and overstimulated and I was a little bit rude and I wanted to apologize to you publicly that you did not know that it was an issue for me and you were just having fun and I remember thinking about that last night I said I was mean to that little kid dang it I was was I because I get react I'm a human being I get reactive and tired and cranky and uh, sometimes I shoot off my mouth and and I regret it ask my girlfriend trust me she's like shut up um so you know I apologize to you too so I didn't mean to be rude to you yesterday anyway uh let's do another question so before I beat myself up here right here yes That's something I've been wanting to do. Uh, I, I try to do work with uh, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, but working with, you know, going in and working with... My logic is this, and I don't think I'm any kind of godsend, and we'll get to your question in a second, but my logic is this. Based on what I know about biology, if I go to visit some kid who's depressed out of his mind because he's got cancer or whatever, and he gets all jazzed up because uh, Goku, the voice of Goku came to meet him, and that triggers something in his immune system and kills the cancer cells, and he lives extra days or longer because of some kind of positive experience with me. Well, you know, I can't really scientifically test that, but I believe that positive experiences like that can affect whether or not, 
you know, we live or die under trying circumstances. So if, if I, I want to do more of that work. Um, and that was something Funimation had arranged. Um, and I've done some work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation before. This was not the Make-A-Wish, but it was a different organization. But I love doing that stuff because I imagine there's a lot of kids who are just sitting in the hospital every day and they're sick and they've got chemotherapy or whatever and they're just watching, you know, cartoons, probably Dragon Ball, I'm guessing. It's very inspirational. I mean, I'd do that every week if I could. I, I, and I've reached out and they, they don't ever take – it's a very tricky thing because, you know, there's privacy and then there's disease and, you know, we had to go through a bunch of screening to even go there. There was a whole lot of stuff we had to do. So maybe that's why they don't reach out. But anyway, what your question was, yeah. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if I directing it, the I'm directing the dub, create a own saga. Well, yesterday I remember I was saying that you know I wanted Goku to get hit on the head and get become get all his evil back, and then Vegeta has to teach him how to be nice <laughs> at the state that he is now, and Vegeta's really bad at it, so it just becomes a comedy of errors. You know, it's just like Vegeta's like, I don't know, say please and thank you. I think I'm not sure. No, don't kill them. I know it's fun, but don't do it. You know, like like I could just see him. Goku's like all angry now because he got his Saiyan rage back. You know, that would be my arc. Would be the the Goku Vegeta odd couple with Vegeta leading the way for goodness. <laughs> That's what I would do, and a better live action movie. Um, like a much better live action movie. Yes, the lady. But yes, you. Say that again. Oh, this moment right here, talking to you guys. Yeah, no, seriously. That my, I mean, I love acting, but, you know, what a cool thing. I mean, I have a job that allows me to go to other countries and have people sit in a room and listen to me blab, and they like me too, and they say they love my work a lot. <laughs> so that's, you know, I don't always, like, go, oh, yes. Sometimes they go, I hate your work, and I'm like, ah, no, I don't do that. But, um, but you know, I, 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 constructive criticism is fine, but, no, meeting the, getting that appreciation, and I feel bad for, like, I, I jokingly said once in a panel, I said, you know, it, the nature of, the, of media and being an actor is different than, say, being a plumber. There's no rock star plumbers, and then somebody goes, well, Mario is. And I'm like, I'm not talking about video game plumbers. I'm talking about actual plumbers. You know, there's not like, like you know, plumber can like, – this plumber was the, you know, the guy who made this lovely floor here that's you know, scuffed up now but was probably gorgeous when it was first done. You know, those guys and the street makers and, you know, they're not in an industry where there's like, you know – the greatest street guy, cement guy. You know, they don't have... So I, I'm a, luckily in an industry where there is a... You know, I'm a, I'm a purveyor of emotions. So my job is being an emotional illusionist. I affect people emotionally uh, and it moves them to talk to me. <laughs> so the, the, my favorite part is is uh, doing this sort of thing. You know, it's it's exhausting, but it's really... You know, when I'm when I'm away from conventions or, or you know... And it's overwhelming sometimes because I have like, I don't know, 50,000 or something Twitter followers and you'll never see me saying happy birthday or doing stuff because here's why I don't. Somebody says, say happy birthday to me. I'm like, first of all, I don't know you. And I say happy birthday to people I'm close to. And I know that's a personal thing because I grew up with it being a personal thing. Secondly, I have 56,000 Twitter followers. So that means there's 365 days in a year. <laughs> and that means there's going to be a huge amount of time I'm having to go happy birthday when I don't even mean it because I don't know you. Because I'm really weird about that. Some people used to think I had Asperger's because I was so particular about boundary people just ah, just say it i'm like no it's got to have meaning and you know and it's got to you know, i say this to my close friends i don't even say happy birthday when facebook tells me i'm like i don't know his birthday well facebook well that's not real then he's gonna think i'm nicer than i am um you know because oh oh shit i better tell him to say happy birthday but i didn't really remember but facebook saved the day <laughs> um I'm, which is why i'm not on facebook anymore no there's a lot of reasons i'm not on facebook anymore that i only have a twitter feed but yeah it's uh it, it, i don't know where i was going with this but 
I, I, I enjoy I enjoy interacting, but I do get overwhelmed sometimes, and so a lot of times I'll just disappear from Twitter or shut it down, or I won't be on the con circuit for a while, or I'll come back like probably. I had a break before this con, and then I don't have another convention until uh, for about a month, and I've got to work a bunch on Super between now and then. And so in those breaks, a lot of times when I get back from a convention, I'll tell my girlfriend, I said, I'll go to bed, and I say, don't wake me up. I'm sleeping in, and I'm probably not doing anything for two or three days. And then sometimes I'll get a call for voice work, and I have to, but I try. I, I take a long time to decompress. And usually when I'm done here at the end of the day, I go to my hotel room, I lay on my bed, and I stare at the ceiling in a catatonic state. And then I uh, I forget about dinner, and then I go, oh crap, it's ten o'clock. I need dinner, uh, you know. So it's it, it's a very taxing thing that I, I enjoy. But um, I hope that I think that answered your question, right? Did I? I don't know. I talk in circles. Yes, over here with the Amish beard. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of had an Amish flair to it because the top's gone. Um, no, it's good. I like it. It's just <laughs> what's that? Your favorite what saga? My favorite saga I've discovered is the uh, Goku Vegeta relationship arc that that saga which i didn't discover until the last couple of years chris has kind of known that for a long time and his he likes the whole majin vegeta storyline and i kind of got on the bandwagon late um but i i remember thinking like yeah that's really what dragon ball's about this this duo this what they're this yin yang duo you know and i always look for deeper meaning in dragon ball you know it's the story of the great journey west and the monkey king and and i, I love all the deeper elements of it i was born in the year of the monkey my nickname as a kid was monkey boy i had i have two dimples at the base of my spine and my grandma used to dry me off after a shower and she goes well, is this where they ripped off your tail and then i grow up to play goku i'm like what the hell is going on and i don't believe in a god that does stuff but apparently something's happening so uh and, and that's not to say i'm not total atheist that, that would be another existential conversation but um, uh, but I don't. I don't find that my experience with uh, testing prayer has been uh, um, zero for all prayers. So I'm like, okay, I'm not seeing a lot of empirical evidence about this. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and not do that anymore. And my life's been nothing but happier since. But that's my own bent. Anyone else? I don't want to poo-poo anyone else's faith. But um, that's been my my personal uh, experience. Uh, any other questions? Yes. Uh, yes. Right here. Yes. Like when I fart and leave a uh, fart for Laura Bailey before she comes in? I did that once. Oh. Oh, no. Chris is the prankster. He, I don't know if you heard the kazoo story, but he pranks the shit out of me because I'm so gullible. Um, I'm like, what? Really? Yeah? I mean, I totally don't get it. And he put a, he snuck into my hotel room, had friends snuck into my hotel room and put, totally messed with all my clothes and put a kazoo in my pants and put like weird envelopes with white powder and weird condoms and just weird. I'm like, where did this shit come from? Like, and they, and they, you know, cause I, I would let him get my hotel room before I go record Dragon Ball and I wouldn't put down my credit card information cause a hotel ripped me off once. And so he has to go do it with his business card. And uh, he snuck in and played a major prank on me. Then when I came into work to tell him about what happened, he had had a secret recording set up so that I go, Chris, you're not going to believe somebody put a kazoo in my pants. And he had a recorder going. He doesn't know where that tape is. He said but he recorded my reaction to it when I came into work. So I don't really – I find pranking can be dangerous and mean if you don't really know – the person's boundaries really well and it requires a certain amount of trust and, and closeness which I don't you know have or understand well enough and Chris is a major pranker he, he pranked he, oh, he's pranked a couple celebrities before at conventions it's really like he'll go by a, uh, we'll be at a convention like a big convention with lots of big stars and we'll know where some of their room numbers are and so what he did he did this to one actress who's uh, I can't remember her name but it was a really famous actress and uh, he uh, uh, filled out her breakfast card for like a shit ton of pancakes and bacon and just a 
filled it out like a massive amount of food at two in the morning. You put it on your door, and they come and, they, and then they pick it up, you know, and they show up with this massive cart of food in the morning. She's like, I didn't order all this, and it's like a ton of pancakes and stuff. So she sent him a stripper, <laughs> and then they made me videotape it, and I couldn't videotape it because it got really gross at one point. So I'm like, I'm leaving. Um, this is like ten years ago or fifteen years ago in Australia. We were in, we were in Australia, um, but yeah, weird weird stuff like that happens, you know. Um, I've had uh, Kenny Baker grab my balls once. That was funny. Um, and it wasn't sexual. Uh, he, uh, we were, Kenny Baker, who's deceased now, I love the man. He was R2-D2. I had such a good time with him, and I, I miss him. Uh, we weren't necessarily the best of friends, but I met him on numerous occasions. And, and, and at one time, I had this bad habit when I was younger because um, I, I didn't have really good boundaries. And I had this bad habit of doing impressions of people to their face the second I meet them. And they think I'm making fun of them, and I'm not. Every once in a while I am, but I don't usually do it through their face. I do it behind their back, um, <laughs> which is bad. But uh, I remember uh, sitting next to him in a bar, and he was getting very drunk, and I was drinking. And he was sitting next to me. And, you know, he's a, he's a little fellow, so um, he talks like this. He has English accent. He's got a very little voice. And I kept saying, you know, and George Lucas asked me to do Star Wars. And I, t- I kept doing an impression of him. And he was drinking a martini. And right in mid-sentence, he just reaches over and gooses me in the nads, you know, to get me to shut up, right? And I was so excited because it was R2-D2. And I was like, R2-D2, grab my balls. I'm never washing them. Actually, I'll probably wash them, but still, yeah, woohoo! I was fanboyed out. And so I wanted to edit my Wikipedia page. It's like, Sean Schimmel, birth, life, the R2-D2 incident. You know, and like edit it. It's a totally true story, and I can't even edit it on Wikipedia, you know? And so, uh, and I met him on a couple other occasions. He's just really fun, wonderful guy to hang out with. And uh, that's a fun, like, yeah, weird, fun stories like that, you know. Um, and I got to meet Carrie Fisher before she died. And we spent about two or three hours talking on a plane. And she was absolutely divine and wonderful and made you feel s- almost psychically held and understood. That woman is not, anything you hear in the tabloids is bullshit. She is sharp as a tack. And loving, uh, uh, insightful, could finish your sentences for you like she was psychic almost. I just felt like I was talking to a telepath almost. And I just chatted with her on a plane for two or three hours, about four or five months before she passed. And I consider it one of the best uh, experiences of my life. It was, she was really, really wonderful. So I've, I've been very blessed to meet all my heroes uh, growing up. Uh, I met Mark Hamill on a couple occasions. Uh, uh, I got to talk to Adam West. Uh, I got to tell him my favorite line from the Batman uh, series, which is, Quick, Robin, get the Bat Alphabet Soup Container. Which, I'm like, there's a Bat Alphabet Soup Container? Really? He laughed so hard when I told him that. It was, it was just, it's been a real joy. So Dragon Ball is a, a personal gift that's given me all this other stuff. I even met my girlfriend through, not Dragon Ball, like she wasn't a fan, but she knew a girl who I, I had dated once who, uh, who, she met her at a bar and she had an anime shirt on. And that girl I dated, you know, we only went a couple dates and didn't work out, but she, we're still friends. And she goes, I know the guy you're going to marry. And, and she said that. She called me. She goes, I met the girl you're going to marry. And we're not married yet, but we've been together like six years now. So, uh, yeah, she introduced me to my uh, partner. Uh, and I got the partner because I, I met her, and she was an anime fan. And not, I didn't meet her through fandom. I met her through a dating service. But, which, by the way, my stories in dating services are hilarious. I, I should tell you those someday. Because uh, it's, it's, it's a very funny – I dated in New York, and I could write a whole show about it. But um, it was a very, very weird, surreal experience to date people in New York. Was, they probably thought I was just as weird. But um, anyway, I digress. More questions. Yes, yes, I'll talk about – yes, youngster right here. Yes, sir. Oh, that's a very good question, especially from someone as young as you. Um, a couple of moments are really emotional for me. Um, recently when I recorded, like last year, I recorded the final chapters of Kai, and every once in a while Goku will get real and show some real emotion other than just happy, angry, or hungry. Um, 
and he's basically trying to admit to Gohan that he's uh, uh, you know been a lame father and he's really sorry. And then he's like, okay, I'm really sorry. Now go kill Cell. Um, but when he's you know you know touching him on the shoulder and, and and really trying to apologize, I got choked up and I was like, you know, he's really being real with Gohan in the moment. And then there are moments when he comes back and Goten is jumping into his arms and, and I'm just having that father son experience. Uh, those always hit me really hard. Those are, are really really good. And even when he's nice to Chi Chi, which I you know. <laughs> I've never seen him be really sweet on Chi-Chi, but, you know, he's, he can be very kind to his children. So, uh, except for leaving him in the forest with a green man to train them with no food. Um, <laughs> I don't know why there's, n I guess there's not child protective services in uh, the Dragon Ball universe or uh, at all. Because you cannot leave your child in the forest to have a strange green man from another planet train them. W what's that? Green dad? Uh, that's a good one. I like that. Chris calls him the uh, now. Chris calls him on Dragon Ball Super uh, uh, the the official babysitter because he's always babysitting uh, Go Go Gohan's kids, and he's got his foot on the crib and he's rocking it back and forth. Totally not, totally wasting his his awesome power. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I like the, I like those moments. I like it when it gets you know the story gets deeper or funny, and it's not just about fighting and whose power levels are higher and screaming. I mean, I enjoy all that stuff, but once you get real rich story content, uh, I really get excited, and that's why I like Dragon Ball Super so much because I noticed that Z moved very slow and the pace is really slow, and there's like two or three weeks. I'm stronger than you. I'm stronger than you, and there's a few comedic elements here and there. Dragon Ball was very very uh, comedic heavy. And I've noticed that Super, I think, is really the best balance between really great fighting and really great power-ups and really good comedy and really good story development and character development. So I think Dragon Ball Super will probably go down in history as uh, the best series of, of them all, in my opinion, if you want all those elements. If you want just raw fighting, you're going to go for, for Z. And if you want you know, all those, because you, know, you had Dragon Ball and then you had Z and you stick them together and you kind of Super in a way, in, in terms of the emotional flavor of it. So um, that's a good question, man. Let's get somebody else, yeah. Ah, yes, with a hat. Yes, I can. That's all right. You didn't know. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sensitive about it, so I apologize. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, th I think. Well, again, I don't think that people realize that you know they look at it from perspective. They meet me and Chris, and we try to be friendly and gregarious, and they think, oh yeah, well, you know, one thing we have in common is the love of the show, and therefore, not you know, kind of forgetting that you know this is our job, you know. Um, but yeah, what were you going to say? Sorry. Um, Battle of Gods, I would say. My, my Battle of Gods, probably more so because I did the big Goku King Kai scene, which I'm really proud of because I had to carry that whole scene until Beerus shows up. And then when they do, it's like me doing two parts and then Beerus and Whis, and so it was really tricky. But yeah, go ahead. So you're asking me what I'm proudest about in particular about those performances? Oh, what brings out my best when I'm doing it? The, what brings out my, well, the director is really important, and Chris is the director on that, um, and he's a very good director and lets me do what I need to do. Um, 
It also helps. I was very worried that uh, it really helps that the other cast is strong. It's very important to me that I would like to believe that all the other cast members of Dragon Ball are as good or better an actor as me, and I believe they are generally and specifically, and and specifically Jason Douglas. Because I was worried when they cast Beerus, I had not heard him. And Chris is a good casting director, but I mean, I I don't trust anybody, even if I love them dearly. I, I mean, I, I have a weird. You know, I might trust them personally, but I mean, like, I don't, you know, I always want to see for myself. So I knew Chris was going to do a good job casting, but I, I, I wanted to judge for myself whether the guy was worth a shit, right? And so when I finally heard it, I was like, I was worried that it was not going to be great. And then when I heard it, I'm like, oh, wow, it's almost too good. Crap, I have to up my game because now I'm working against this Jason guy who I've never met before. This guy's really good. And, um, and then I was, I was really worried that when the scenes were done, you'd hear my acting, and then Jason would come with this glorious voice he has, uh, and the beer is so good. And, and I was worried that, um, uh, that it was just going to be like, here's Goku and this other way better actor. Uh, and and he and, and in my opinion he is better than me, but I, I didn't feel like he was enough better than me that I looked bad. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I think I, I kept up. I think I did. I hope he thinks so. Um, and I, I'm very proud of uh, with this the video we did when when I'm in the booth recording and you can see me recording and then you see Jason and they cut between the two of us and I'd never I didn't see that until you know. Uh, we did it, and, and, and they released it. And I remember watching, I go, whoa, this, whoa. This. And I normally will see myself record and go, man, I look stupid. Oh, my God. But I was like, oh, well, that was, that was not bad. I, I don't let myself pat myself on the back too much because ego and self-praise is a slippery slope. And the second you start thinking you're really good is the beginning of the end. So you got to be like, it's weird because people will think I'm very arrogant and conf- cocky, but I'm very confident, but I'm tremendously insecure at the same time. And the way I do it is this, and this is something you can take to your job. When I go into the booth and when I'm ready to record, I don't give a crap. It's on, and I'm going all the way, and I'm 100% confident, and I don't give a shit, and I'm like, and there I go. But then when I'm done watching it, I go, ah, ah, and then I nitpick, and I listen, and I go, ah, that wasn't good, ah, ah, and, then I, and then I make adjustments for the next time. But I, it's rare that I watch something I did where I did it, and then go, yeah, I killed it, man, woohoo, yeah. I, I don't usually do that. Uh, every once in a while, I'll see a scene, and I go, okay, I don't have a problem with that. That's the best I'll give myself, because I'm very... I am very scared of the human ego, and so uh, I, I feel like if I do that and start resting on my laurels, I'm just going to become a crappier and crappier voice actor, and it's just going to go downhill, and that's the last thing I want. But at the same time, the balance is critical because when you're a performance artist, you can't go on stage insecure. you got to go knowing it's showtime, and I learned that from classical music because when you're a hornist in an orchestra playing the most difficult instrument in the world and the conductor hits the downbeat, you do not get a second take. So when I when I went when I started recording it and, and I was like wait I get twenty takes wow I don't get any takes in classical music and I was trying to get Goku right in one take every time because I was so used to doing it trying to do it exactly right on the you know on the take so the training in classical music was extraordinarily I would say about eighty percent of my classical music training translated to. Uh, to uh, 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 voice acting. Um, if that answers your question, I know it's, there's some roundabout information in there, but and if you guys can glean anything from that, it's like you know, once it's showtime and you got to fire those cylinders, throw throw insecurity out the window. You can be insecure later. You because if you bring it into the in the into the performance, and the, then you're 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 going to have a problem. Um, you've got to be just steely confident and just 
focusing like a laser and then you like I said you can uh, you can be worried about it and, and insecure later when you hear it uh, and every once in a while I hear some voice I'm like wow who's that guy he sounds great and then I'll find out it's a voice I did like 10 years ago and I'm like whoa well that was not bad that's great and then sometimes I go who's that guy that guy sucks and I'm like oh it's me <laughs> uh, you know and then someone else goes I like it and then you get in this weird hall of mirrors with subjectivity and so you're like oh, what is good and what isn't good and and you start thinking about things and and, and 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 so the only thing you can do as an artist is you consume art you know and you watch other people you like and you learn from them you know I have a lot of actors I like I love Daniel Day-Lewis I think he's probably one of the best actors in the world because um, uh, he really transforms and to me that's real acting I see a lot of actors who are playing parts but not transforming and it's real transformation with Daniel Day-Lewis um, and you, you absorb that, and then when you're making your own choices and listening to yourself, you're hoping that you're feeling that emotion, and then you listen to feedback to the director. If, he, if you trust him, you listen to feedback for your audience, although I don't take cues from audience, but I, I do listen to the feedback, but I don't let it influence what I do because then I've got like a room full of directors, and I, I, that's just too much in my head, and it would defeat the purpose of me being an artist in the first place. But um, and, and so all that goes into play to, to, to make this kind of hodgepodge of uh, a balancing act of, of you know, confidence, self-examination, you know, uh, insecurity. Because you don't want to go one or the other, you know, to, to you know, to the other direction. Because you know, too much insecurity is bad. Too much confidence is bad, and it's a weird, uh, it's a weird balancing. That's why it's very hard for me. Like, I, I, like when you guys come up to me, and, and lots of people say this, and it doesn't get old, and it's very lovely. So, oh, you changed my life. You know, your childhood. You're my childhood, and all this stuff. I do take it in, and I do appreciate it, but I don't go. <laughs> yes, I. I am so amazing at changing kids. Ch I am, ah, yes. I never do that. I'm just, I can't. That makes me want to throw up. I can just go, this guy subjectively thinks that this has had this emotional impact on them. They have these feelings that are real. I'm going to validate. That doesn't mean they're objectively true, but for this kid in this moment, it's true. So I'm just going to go with where he is. But I can't take a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but some other actors can take that into the ego land and go, well, you know, look at all this that I, ah, ah, yes. And I'm like, no, I can't. It's too dangerous. It's just it's something. I just feel like it would just ruin my, my head. Um, how much time we have? We've got a couple minutes. Just last question. Last question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, uh, the saying here. That's a very interesting question. I don't think there is. However, and I, 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 I have tremendous respect for the Japanese cast, largely because they're the original cast, and they're interpreting their show for their language and, and what they do. And they are, they are the original creators of these archetypes, and I have to respect that, and I do. I did notice, though, that we had not really interacted much with the Japanese cast until Battle of Gods and Resurrection F. And they, um, uh, Masako Izanazawa came out to watch it. And uh, they saw our dub and we saw theirs. And, and uh, I did notice that for Super, and I'm totally speculating here, so I don't know. But I did notice that for Super, it seemed like their screams had improved in intensity. And things were getting better. And I'm like, did we kind of influence that? I, you know, and their fight reactions seemed to improve from what they've done. And then maybe they're just improving as actors. We all are. I mean, my work from 1999 is not as nearly as good as, as what I feel like I'm doing today. And I don't, I don't want to be a goat and watch this video get back to them and they get mad at me. But And I want, and they influence us to some degree. I, I the, the problem I have, uh, I never listened to Masako as I was creating the character uh, for, for the English-speaking audience. So I, I, I didn't take a few cues from it. One thing she does, though, that I don't do, but I do is that Goku has this very distinctive laugh in Japanese that I just now, the <laughs> and which is funny because 
I remember, I never heard her, but I remember I had this rule for Goku that I'm like, Goku must have a very distinctive laugh. And I, I have this rule for all characters I do that every, because I, almost every person in here, I guarantee you, doesn't sound, their laugh doesn't sound the same as anybody else's. And I bet you some of you have very strange and weird laughs that are very entertaining to listen to. Like, who's that British comedian that goes, ah! Yeah, he's got that funny laugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so everybody's got the, these interesting laughs. So I thought that Goku and any character I play should have a very particular laugh. So when I heard hers, I'm like, is she doing, does she have the similar philosophy? We've never really discussed it. I've met her on a couple occasions, but we don't really discuss the nature of the character that much. We just kind of look at each other from across the room and go, hmm, can I take a 72-year-old? Hmm. I could beat her in battle. No, I don't think that. She is wonderful and uh, uh, so gracious to not be, like she met me on a couple of occasions and, She's so gracious about not being egoic about her space. And, and they came and walked the red carpet with us when we did. They premiered Resurrection F in America before Japan, the Japanese version on the red carpet of the Chinese theater in L.A. I walked the red carpet with her, and she was very gracious about sharing that space uh, with me as just the dub actor. And so she's, she's a, very, uh, a very, very cool person. But I, I wonder if, you know... Any of my fight react? She does her fight reacts different, but I noticed with Vegeta in particular. I'm like, I wonder if uh, Rio Horikawa's like heard Chris's screams and heard our screams. Like, oh, we gotta we gotta take it up a level. The Americans are are competing with us, but I don't know. I have no. I've never talked to them, you know, about it, and and I don't want to start any rumors or any kind of uh, speculation because honestly, here the, there is just nothing. I always have a reverence for the original cast, whether or not I like him, but I happen to like their cast. I do think they are very good, um, but I, I also have a, a certain personal space around. I, I I don't take cues from them or any other cast because I do consider it my work and my space for the English for English language, and you know it's not something I want anybody in, even the original cast, honestly, and and even Toy Animation. You know, this is my relationship with Funimation and Chris Sabat, the director, and and we know what we're doing for our audience, and and we feel very strongly about that and committed to it. That doesn't mean we don't you know respect other uh, the other cast uh, at all because we do very much. And Rio, I've met Rio more than Masago, and, and and he's he's really a lot of fun, and uh, and and I, I can tell you a little secret. I don't know if he'd mind me telling me this, but. We were on the panel uh, at Anime Expo, and I was sitting next to him, and uh, he was talking about his life on Dragon Ball. And I don't think the audience can see it, but I was right next to him, and I could see the light coming through him. And there's two or three occasions his eyes were welling up with tears. It was really beautiful. I'm going to get teared up thinking about it, but he, it means a lot to him. Um, and uh, he's a very deep guy and, and a, a really sweet person. And uh, sitting next to him on that panel was uh, pretty pretty exciting. We had like 3,000 people in the room, and it was uh, it, I'm astounded by this because this, you know, this is just the dub, and I, I am just so grateful. And th I'm going to wrap up, I guess. Uh, I'm just. I, I walk down the street, and, and and sometimes I get recognized, and I forget. Like, I had a friend staying with me a, a few months ago, and we were, he wanted to go to a bar at like you know 12 in the night, and I'm like, sure, it's fine. I don't have to get up. We're walking in my neighborhood to this bar. I'm literally going through the crosswalk with my buddy from high school. We're walking uh, we're across the park. Some guy goes, yo, Goku, woo-hoo. Like right as I at 12 at night, you know, and I'm walking, and I, and I go, and I just walk by and I go, oh, oh, yes, yes, that would be me. I, I, fr I don't, I don't, you know, think about it when I'm, because it's just, I get up and this is, you know, what I do. But then when I, you know, see a room like this or when I, I go to a convention or whatever and I see the, the, you know, or I get on my Twitter feed and I see something's got 170,000 and I'm like, holy shit, I, okay, uh. I'm gonna go. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I just—it's overwhelming. I don't—I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand how like really, really big celebrities don't lose their minds. You know, like they got millions of people stalking them and stuff like that. Um, I'm just happy that you guys. The thing for me is, is the last thing I'll say is I love 
uh, this thing about the show, and I know all of you guys are probably doing this, is I love the fact that here you are, you know, you got this lovely couple here, and you got these people sharing this, and you, you're going home, and you say, hey, we're going to watch some Dragon Ball, and then, and, and, and you're watching Dragon Ball, and you're having these moments and feelings, and whether it's not someone you, you love or your family, or in many cases, I've had the experience of people telling me, yeah, my husband, I used to watch it, I lost my husband, but I get to be uh, voyeuristically a part of this intimate not intimate space where i know when i lay in bed at night somebody's out there having a good time getting all charged up or you know crying or laughing and, and with their loved one and my voice is vibrating in their ears and into their brain or some little kid and i think it's the freaking greatest thing in the world and it, and it just makes my life worth living so uh that's what i do and that's what i i care about and that's what matters to me um and and, and I, I couldn't do it without anybody in this room so thank you very much for having me here in wales uh which is a beautiful country by the way and uh the food's really good i really enjoy the food and uh people are all obviously very nice and and so thank you for having me and and, and that's my thing for for dragon ball so hopefully you'll watch it tonight and have a, i think super's on wait last night wasn't it last night no you guys don't have it here ah, oh by the way i wrote uh toy animation and they wrote me back, and they said that they're trying to get uh, Dragon Ball going on the UK, uh, but they're waiting for the European office to do something. So they're trying. I, I know that this, that the, the 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 desire is there. I think for for Toei to get Dragon Ball Super on on television here in the UK, but that's all a bunch of legal stuff I don't know about. But I did write them after uh, several of you were like, "Why is it not on TV?" So I wrote them an email and say, "Hey, they're asking about it. What's going on?" And they they kindly wrote me back and said, "We're trying. We're just figuring out what's going on with the the European office, and things kind of happen slower now. So we're we're, we're getting on it, but." You know, they, they, there's only so much they can do because everyone has their own jobs and power and stuff. Anyway, so thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, everybody. And uh, I'm going to be signing a little bit more today, and then uh, I, I leave for America tomorrow. So uh, I'll be back hopefully in the future. Thank you so much. Please consider following us at Legend Podcast on Twitter and subscribing to Legend in My Spare Time, available from all fine podcast sites and apps.